This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Hello, this is the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, and you can't tell, but right now I'm dressed as Deacon and not the Fallen Angel because I'm at Waterworld, and you are listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast because there's degrees. There's a little bit busted open, but this is Busted Wide Open. You're listening to us, so thanks for listening. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling with your hosts... Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 174. My name is Nick Howell. And still shook from being exposed to the softcore porn wrestling match that Seth Rollins and Matt Jackson once did back in the day. Damn you, Reddit. I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to today's (laughs) episode of Busted Wide Open. And, Nick, we've got to talk about Raw, and we've also got to talk about AEW's pay-per-view, their first official pay-per-view since they've had TV, and that's full gear. That happened this last weekend. We've got to talk about that Mm. because it was a doozy. It was as Mm -hmm. a doozy, as they say. So we've got quite a bit to discuss today, plus some news items that I think we're going to have to chew on a bit. But before we get to any of that, let's do some housekeeping. Let's tell everyone where they can find us, how they can interact with the show, and then we'll get into the meat of our operation today. Yes, guys, as always, come and join us over on Facebook. Just search for Busted Wide Open on Facebook. Like our page and hit the join request to come into the Busted Wide Open discussion group with the rest of the phenomenal ones. It's where we post fun memes and news stories, all kinds of good stuff over on Facebook. Uh, You also want to find a link at the top there to our Discord community where you can come and join us for live chats for all of the shows all throughout the week as well as dedicated channels for pay-per-views such as all uh, AEW Full Gear. I got it right. Hey, you had to watch Uh, it. As well as Survivor Series coming up uh, less than two weeks. So uh, make sure you're in our Discord as well as our Facebook group. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Streaming live here on YouTube at youtube.com slash busted wide open every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Two full sets of shows for you guys on Tuesdays and Saturdays now. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and jingle the little notification bell so that you get alerted any time we put up new videos or schedule new live stream events every single week. Last but certainly not least, we want to thank all of our patrons. Thank you very much. You are the fuel that operates this mm. machine that is busted wide open and all of your support every single month means the world to us. So thank you very much. And if you'd like to get in on some of those exclusive perks, you can find those over at patreon.com slash 
NWO. Get in and ask listener questions for our weekly patron mailbag episode that we do every Saturday as well as getting bonus episodes at the $10 tier every month. All kinds of good stuff. Patreon.com slash BWO. But Ian... There was a lot that I need to share this week. I can tell you have a lot on your chest there, Nick, besides your massive I beard. I do. I do. Yes. Uh, but before we get into that kind of stuff, we've <laughs> got to go over and talk about AEW Fuel full, full, full Gear. gear. Full gear, damn it, Nick. Hopefully that's well, the we last get things time off you'll screw in up the, the buy-in. What's that? Hopefully it's the last time you'll screw up the name. Well, I don't have to say it anymore after this, so let's roll. <laughs> so, yes, we start off with the buy-in Britt Baker versus B Priestley. And, yes. uh, you know, I, I, I have to eat a little bit of crow here. I, I admit that I've been a little bit down on the women's division in AEW. I felt like uh, they hadn't really been putting on good matches across the board. And this was uh, this overperformed, in my opinion. I thought this was actually a very worthy match to have to kick off the show. Um, Must not have had very high hopes for it, though. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I actually oh. thought it was going to be uh, pretty bad. And yes, yes, it was not a perfect match, and it certainly yeah. certainly had some clunky spots in it. Um, a few, in fact. But I thought the intensity was there. I thought the storytelling was there. I thought the, uh, the feeling that these two just did not like each other was there. The build to it was good. Uh, Britt Baker did that fantastic promo beforehand. Um, so yeah, I actually thought this overperformed and ended up being the kind of match that should be on the pre-show, but then is a good pre-show match. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I look, here's the thing I, I didn't so much enjoy the match as I did the build to it. Right. And what I mean by that is look, this, they, they took it all the way back to this summer when B Priestley, you know, meaningful or not, basically Britt took a, a hard way heel to the back of the head that concussed her, and it led to this story over the last couple of weeks that we've seen through video packages where Britt Baker was calling her out and just like, look, I'm not going to pull any punches. She's a terrible wrestler. And then we had the answer from Bea Priestley last week on Dark. So all of this stuff was leading into something that, you know, the, the build to it, the story to it, was what I really enjoyed myself. So, yeah, while the match might have left some um, some things to be desired, uh, I'll leave it at that, it did show that there's potential for both of these ladies and, you know, as the highlights in the women's division. Uh, I'm not being too judgy on it just yet. Uh, frankly, I'm not being too judgy on AEW at all just yet. Uh, but more specifically, the women's division, I want to give it time to marinate and develop and do all the things it needs to do to become a real show. Yeah. And other than this, I mean, they, they mostly killed it Yeah, for, say, for this entire show. But I, this is the one thing, and like you said, rightfully so on the pre-show, mm -hmm. where it should have been. But I, I also wanted to call attention to the fact that they actually built a story fairly quickly with, with not a lot there, and it, it made sense for the the animosity in the match. Yeah, and I'd say it paid off with that animosity in the match. You know, from a technical standpoint, definitely a couple of sloppier moments but uh, you know fine that 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 is what it is um i didn't mind it overall so yeah i thought it was a good pre-show match at the end of it we thought this was going to happen in the middle of one of the women's matches but it happened at the end after brit wins and leaves we see uh, awesome kong and brandy come out and be a priestley's in the middle of the ring still recovering and they attack her and kong takes out a knife and cuts off a lock of Bea's hair and sticks it in her 
in her uh, her belt. What do you think's going on there? Not until I, after she smelled it, which was a little. Uh, uh, that's that's good stuff. Uh, yeah, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> but but okay, so I had when they first did that brandy video thing with uh, with Kong, and I called it a voodoo thing. You were like, "Where do you see voodoo?" And I'm like, I just, it was the candles and kind of the ritualistic stuff. Like, I thought I was seeing that. I thought maybe there was some sort of supernatural element to it. Do you think, are you coming across to my side of this with this whole taking of the lock of hair? Or do you think that that's, there's something else going on there? I mean, if they had trotted a goat out and, okay, you know, come on. And drank, you know, drank its blood. Or, I mean, wow. sure, I don't know. I mean, Brandy's still coming out in like a, a one piece singlet instead of like, uh, of, she doesn't have to come out lacy. like Papa Shango for it to be voodoo. Like this is a modern era, man. You can just be like have hints on it. Doesn't it be a try a little nose? harder? Maybe oh I, I don't God. know. She's she's coming out in you know in a wrestling singlet. It looks like a one piece bathing suit. Put a corset on and a big poofy ball. Uh, whatever you call the dress things that make you look like an older era thing. I, I don't know. It doesn't dress the part. Okay, maybe you're you're too indoctrinated by WWE. It does not have to be that on the nose. You know what I mean? Like if she came out looking like Abby the Witch, uh, yeah, oh I'd, I'd be like, hell yeah, I'm all in on this voodoo thing. But I don't. She had a thing over her eyes, like she was going to a funeral or something. So I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's it's not there with me yet. I actually expected this to be an interference, as as you guys might recall uh, last week on the uh, Saturday's show. I was saying we might get an interference here, um, but it, they came out right afterwards, which I think was the right place to do it. They, they did it here, and it was it was the right place to do it. But I'm glad they did. We at least have some confirmation that yeah. there's something going on here. Something to build. Um, more to develop. But, uh, okay, you yeah. have my attention. And it's same. I'm like, okay, cool. That's what they're doing with that. Let's see where they go now. We need to have more things going on in the women's division. That's definitely one I'm curious to see where they're going from here. Yeah. Uh, on to the main show. Opening match. <sighs> Proud and powerful. Oh, God. I hate that name. Uh, Santana and Ortiz. You know, that uh, I think they were saying in our, in our Facebook discussion group, and this is, I think, nailed it on the head. There's nothing wrong with the name Proud and Powerful as a name for a tag team. Okay, that can work. It doesn't, however, conjure up the kind of imagery that you want to get from two guys who are kind of like street thug, uh, rough and ready, New York tough guys. That, rough and ready know, would have been from, all, from, you know, from Puerto in, Rico. Infinitely better. Like, that's not... That's that's not the impression I get from the the, the name Proud and Powerful. I, th- I think that one of the first things I said when they said that was going to be the name is, yeah, that's the name of one of the acts we have down in our, our uh, uh, LGBTQ night at one of my bars. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. honestly like that's fair. You know, that's so that's that's the kind of imagery that comes up first for me. And I'm, apparently, I'm not alone. A lot of people are getting that imagery. Um, that's not to say that they can't take this name and turn it into something for themselves i'm just saying they're going to have an uphill battle with it no, uh, it's, it's I, what it implies right it's, it's it's the it's the what you're what you're putting out there as what you right. want people to think about you know i think of lax and i think of like westminster and hawthorne sure and, you know it could get a little rough and rugged down there and i just you know uh so that's what i think of when i hear like LAX. it's the first you impression know, think thing. about it. it's the first impression yeah. thing and the first impression from that name is not what they're i think trying to go for with the tag team now, again, they can turn that around for people that know them, but still anyone who's going to be introduced to their team is going to hear that and be like, what? Uh, there's a bit of a disconnect there. And I, yeah. so I'm not a big fan of the name, but at the same time, like I said, let's see what they can do with it. Santana Ortiz are a hell of a team, and they ended up beating the Young Bucks here 
as I think we, well, we, we called everything nearly correct on this card with one glaring exception that I'm really embarrassed about. But, um, but we were right here. That, that Ortiz and Santana should have gone over the Bucks. They've got to establish that tag team division. They're coming. Uh, Bucks are coming in as the biggest stars of the division. They've got to create that parity in the division so that everyone feels like they could be on the same level, and then we can sort it out from there. Uh, same reason that they had to depower Kenny Omega after he came in. So having Ortiz and Santana go over clean here and look strong against the Bucks, I think was a good idea. And they even had the Bucks going to come back at the end. Uh, Santana and Ortiz were making fun of Rock and Roll Express, who were ringside throughout this entire match. And then afterwards, they got involved when Ortiz and Santana and the, and the inner circle were beating down the Young Bucks. Rock and Roll Express crawl their geriatric asses out to the ring and pull off some moves that they shouldn't be able to damn well do. No. Yeah, a Canadian destroyer and a tope through the ropes. It um, was a little bit of a slow motion Canadian destroyer, but I mean, still. Well, he barely got if, over. The I hope that when I'm that age, I could get out there and do a Canadian destroyer. You know, I don't know if fair I could, news. I don't know if I could do a Canadian destroyer now, and I'm still kind of on the dark side of the prime of my life. You know what I mean? Like, and this this dude's got 25 years on me, and he's doing one and, and going through the ropes like props, props to the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> Um, I've actually seen some of their matches that they did recently, and uh, they usually look even better than this. When he so. took a suicide dive, he took a header out through the ropes. I was, uh, oh, let's just say I, I grimaced quite a bit, <laughs> wondering, oh, oh, God, no, don't, don't do that. I thought it was going to get a little bit out of hand um, when when they got in there. So I'm happy to see that everything worked out all right. I don't know where this is going to go, but... At the end of the day, it was a lot of good fun, and that's that's kind of what I, what I wanted to open the show there. Yeah, so, no, it was the yeah, right right one times. to have of all the matches on the card. It was this or the uh, tag team triple threat I thought should open the show, and I think having the Bucks pull the curtain was a smart idea. Yeah, it was. So, yeah. Uh, next up, we had Hangman Page versus Pac. What were your thoughts on this match, brother? Uh, caught me off guard. Uh, I'll say that. Um, I thought it was stiff. AF, I thought they hit each other really hard, and I thought it was it was a fine match. It was really good. It feels like there's more to come, um, but I, I I'm not really sure where it's going to go. I mean, once you I mean Pac, once you put him down like that, I think you and I had both called that Pac needed the win here more than Page did. Well, that and, yes, but that's that was me not looking at the history of these two in the company. And what okay. the story that they were trying to tell. And I actually am really kicking myself because initially this match was supposed to take place months ago, but because Pac had commitments with Dragon Gate and was the Dragon Gate champ, they couldn't have that match. And so now we've already had uh, a, a match with them on TV uh, where Pac won, or no, it was uh, earlier this summer where, where Pac won, so he got the first match win. And the fact that I didn't see that now that Pac isn't the Dragon Gate champ, he can lose. They want to have this be an ongoing feud. They're the number two and number three guy in the company. Of course they're going to have Hangman win here. This makes a ton yeah. of sense. I just was I had a brain fart on the day. This makes all the sense to have Hangman tie it back up. And they've actually already announced there's going to be a rubber match on Wednesday. So Perfect. this looks like this is going to be an ongoing feud between these two. Or they're going to, they're going to be having that hanging around the same level kind of thing going on. So... Um, yeah, really kicking myself for not calling this finish. They did put on a fantastic match, probably one of the better straight-up technical matches on the show, balancing between the technical aspects and the excitement. Uh, I really liked this match a lot. 
Yeah. Uh, but the question now is, who do you have? So, you know, here we said, well, Pac's got to go over. Now the rubber match is Wednesday. What do you think is going to happen there? Because now they're tied up. They look like they're about on the same level. Good guy, bad guy, almost mirror images of each other in this company. The, honestly, the kind of uh, the, the way they've built both of these guys as as being in each other's orbit a little bit and almost being at that same level. You know, one's a dark version of the other one. That, that's a very classic wrestling trope that doesn't get used enough. I think yeah. it's because just not enough people are the two people who are concentrated on the main events and not on that level right below that. And this is this is that level right below that where you can have some of the best matches on the card, you know, your your macho man and steamboats and have these two guys who have a very interesting dynamic between each other and sometimes that can be more interesting than than, than the top of your card. So I'm really excited sure. about what they do with these two if they keep this something that that roils up between them every so often. Um, but who? I guess what I'm saying, Nick, is who do you think gets that first win? That first kind of who? Who wins the first major victory in this feud? Well, this this screams. So what I want to preface what I'm about to say with is this screams what I've been thinking for the for the last month since Dynamite debuted, and it's that within the first 90 days they're going to need to introduce some kind of mid card title. And I'm not sure what that's going to be, but when I look at this match and I look at these two, it this screams like an intercontinental title match to me. Like these two fighting over a upper mid-card title like the intercontinental or something along those lines. This kind of match and this kind of feud, exactly what you were just describing, that's kind of tailor-made for wrestling, opposing each other, right? Yeah. That this screams to me that sort of intercontinental championship. Yes. Um, well, and, and that's what and I want. I want to have, have to jump in yeah. right there. I hate to jump okay. in, but they have been talking about adding another belt to AEW. Cody actually hinted at it last week. Okay. This would be, and 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 honestly, in our chat right now, uh, Butters, I believe, just said something about like MGF coming in and screwing up the end of this rubber match. Um, or some it doesn't even have to be MGF. Anybody coming in and, and screwing it up, so there's no real resolution to it, and then you can start a build towards a secondary title, where these two guys, um, you then have that second level where you can build up to that. That all really falls into place very nicely. So sorry to interrupt, but that is actually a really salient point for yeah. for what you're getting at. Yeah, uh, and Andy just champ champ just said that Tony Khan said it's going to be announced this month. Well, there you go. So uh, there we go. Thank you very much, champ champ. I did not hear that. So uh, that's a that's what that match screams to me, especially the outcome and especially the fact that we're going to continue the feud with the rubber match on Wednesday. That could be an awesome feud, long term booking for a, an upper mid card belt that we're apparently going to hear about sometime this month. I, yep. I love the match. I can't wait to see the 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 rubber match on Wednesday. And they should have a mid card title. Yeah, they've actually made point to say it's not a mid card title. It is another title in the company. They don't want to mm, have to have okay. it to be like a lesser title or thought of in that way. It's just a different title. Obviously, we be. know it's an upper mid card title. We know it's yeah. a secondary title, but at the same time, it's not. They don't it's want it. Twenty four seven eleven European Championship. That's what they don't want, I think, is a meaningless yeah, exactly. title. That's what they're trying to avoid. But, as, <laughs> but I don't think you should take the main title off of Jericho for a good period of time. We've discussed mm -hmm. this. So having another title that you can bounce around a little bit, I think, was a great idea. Uh, speaking of people that could get that mid-card title, quote-unquote, mid-card title, Sean Spears. He had a match with Joey Janela 
which I had mixed feelings about, and he ended up winning that using a spike pile driver off of the steps onto the outside with uh, Tully Blanchard assisting. Uh, looked nasty. And, uh, in fact, they had to have medical staff, quote-unquote, attending to Joey Janela after this match. Uh, how do I put this? Nick, was this too WWE of a match besides, the obviously, the finish that you couldn't do in WWE? Like, did it feel a little um, bit, uh, did it feel del- like a very deliberate Manufactured? Match? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. To, you know, starting at the end and working towards that outcome, yeah. You know, if, if the whole point of having this match was to have uh, Tully Blanchard do something to help, you know, hurt someone, because uh, Sean Spears, what is he known for? He's known for the chair shot on Cody. Yeah, dirty. Uh, and being dirty. Yeah. So again, here we go. Another another chance for to build up that, and that I'm okay with. Continuing to amp up the dirtiness and the evilness of Sean Spears. Right. I'm all in on. I love that. I love his entrance. I love his mo. I love it. The chairman. I love all that stuff they've got going for him yeah. as as a character right now. And this just helped that. I'm I'm I want to talk about Joey Janela though because Joey Janela has grown on me. Yes. Over the last month. Well, like I was never the biggest Joey Janela fan. A quick point before we get Go to ahead. Janela, and we definitely need to talk about him in this match, especially contextually with Sean Spears. But about Spears and the whole kind of WWE uh, booked way of this match, where it just it seemed very much like a plotting, you know, A B C put together kind of match. Sure. Uh, and part of that has to do with Janela and how he relates to Sean Spears, and we'll get to that in a second. But as he was leaving. Spears made a point to say, I don't care what you think of my match style. I don't care what you think of my matches. I'm here to win, and that's what I did. And I like that in theory, that he's not out there to please the crowd. But there's only so far you can go with that before not pleasing the crowd makes it people not want to see your matches. So you exactly. have to you gotta walk that line a little bit. I like the I like the the theory behind that. Like go out there, be a heel. You're not trying to please the crowd. Leave it up to the face to do face moves uh, and get over. And that and Janela did do that in this match. But that brings me to the point that I think you were getting at, which is Janela in this match. And the fact or Janela that, in general. In general, yeah. but especially in this match, Sean Spears is 6'3", you know, uh, built like a like an Adonis. It's, he's, he's, a, he's a prototypical WWE wrestler. Tall, very in shape, good-looking guy. Janela is none of those things. He's no. he's gotten in better shape since he's come to AEW, but you know he's he is and and he's a not tall, flabby, scummy looking guy. That is his gimmick. That's not a diss. That is his gimmick. However, when he's in a match against a guy like Sean Spears, it, unfortunately, when Spears takes fourteen minutes to put away Joey Janela, it makes Spears look like a goon. In comparison, especially in a match like this, if it was a hardcore match and Janela keeps you like with Janela and Omega, you can see how Janela can stand up to Omega because he keeps using weapons and, and stuff to get over uh, yeah. or to beat Omega. But here, where they're just doing straight up technical wrestling, first, I like seeing Janela technically re- techn- do a technical wrestling because it's nice to see him be able to do that. And that was True. impressive, but it's not believable against someone like Sean Spears. You kind of go, eh, you know what I mean? Like, at least with Riho and Nyla Rose, it's unbelievable, but then they do stuff to make you... It felt like a David and Goliath, right? This yeah. felt like 
David was hanging with Goliath a little bit too much, and it made Goliath look kind of goofy in comparison. Like, why isn't Spears putting this guy away? Uh, it didn't make Janela look like he was resilient. It made Sean Spears look like he was weak, frankly. Um, and he, he also looks real. That's the other thing. When you say it's too much of a WWE kind of match, the, the one thing I will say about Janela is there's the you can identify with Janela. He's yes. not in the best physical. He's not the biggest physical specimen. Smokes cigarettes after the match and outside the you know just all that stuff right he's a real dude but at the end yeah. of the day it, like you said if he's not in a hardcore match where he can his bread and butter is taking big bumps and well, doing stupid stuff let me put it this way and let me put it this way yeah yeah, yeah. no ex- no you're here hitting the nail on the head nail on the head but I wanted I wanted to catch that point as you were saying it and that is is that's his bread and butter right he's looking like one of us acting like one of us right yeah so. Because of that, but because of that, like I look at a guy like Sean Spears, and you know I don't. I, I've been in a couple of scraps in my life. We all have, but I genuinely feel like if I were to get into a scrap with Sean Spears, he could probably wipe the floor with me pretty quickly, just because of cardio. Same. Cardio alone. All yeah. right. I could go for about five seconds, and then I'm, I'm just I'm done. <laughs> I got a couple I'm, I'm out of gas, and I'm like, all right, yeah, dude, you win. I- right i'll buy you a beer congratulations the only way that i feel like i could hang with sean spears is if i called on my scottish heritage and went a little dirty started going low poking the eye doing a little kind of you know that kind of scratching that kind of thing uh that's i think it's more it's not that you shouldn't have a match with spears and janella it's you shouldn't have a technical wrestling match between the two of fair Janela Janela's should be out there if he's doing uh, doing a match with Omega and it's a hardcore match, uh, then he can use that to his advantage and it worked. When he had the regular match, Omega beat him pretty cleanly. I thought that was also well done. Here, having Janela hang for so long without having to get dirty, without using like the scratch, like we can, we're gonna identify with him because he's you know he's the baby face in this and he looks like a normal guy. So we're gonna be like, yeah, you know, underdog baby face kind of thing. He's scrappy. But he's got to be scrappy, believably. And we're going to forgive him getting a little dirty if he's fighting for his survival in there. So sure. it was more to do with how this match was put together than the fact that it existed for me. Had, had I been booking it, I would have DQ'd him. I would totally give him the belt or something, and then they do the spike pile driver just as an aftermatch beat down or something like that. I think that would have bred the sympathy for Janela, but also done gotten the same effect of the evilness of, Possibly. Uh, of, sure. of, of Spears. And I, I feel like... Janela got left looking like a little bit of a chump uh, out of this. We got the effect we wanted for Spears, but you, you did a little did a little dirty. It's interesting. For, uh, I, I thought Janela, Janela looked extremely strong after this because he hung with Spears for so long, and that actually made Spears look bad. So that was that was my perception of it. Um, but I also didn't believe that Joe Janela was that. I was like, it was un, he was unbelievably strong, if that makes sense. So that was that was I think more my issue. But either, yeah. either way, this match didn't read the way I think that the, it, it could have read or should have read. Sure. But it was, and again, it was a fine match. It was decently worked. It's just the believability was an issue, and I don't think that it needed to be. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, it's something that I know has been bandied about with some of the cast of characters in AEW. Um, and I don't have the problem with someone like Marco Stunt going out there and working a match. But you have to make it so that it's it's believable if Janela or Stunt are in a match with someone who just visually reads as someone who's bigger and stronger than they are. Just book it smartly so we believe that they are able to beat them either through their intelligence 
or through speed and technique or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it, there's yeah. a way to write that story that it's believable. So yeah, that's all. Hey, want to want to give a quick shout out to Abraham in the chat with the ten bucks in the tip jar. Dude, thank you very much, thank sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brother. thank you, and uh, Michael Kirby. Thanks for subbing. Welcome to the channel. Um, where do we go from here? Uh, we've got the triple threat tag team match. Uh, SCU versus Lucha Brothers versus Private Party. Um, I short of what happened at the end of the show. That we can't talk about in the context of the show because it was a lights out unsanctioned match, so it's not technically part of the show, but it was part of the show. Um, this was one of my favorite things of the night. Uh, really, I, I loved. I, yeah, I loved this match. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, this is the kind of tag team wrestling that you guys hear me talk about <laughs> and bitch about constantly when it comes to WWE. They've nailed it on the head. They've got an amazing tag division over it already in the first month in AEW. Uh, and the Young Bucks were nowhere near this for right. the record. That, I want right. to make that perfectly clear. This was three tag teams that a lot of people had never heard of before. And, and they put on a badass match. And I, we I, had, I enjoyed the hell out of it. We had five tag teams on this show, Nick. And that's at least, by my count, three tag teams that they also have in their division that aren't on this show. And all three of those tag teams are money as well. Yep. That's a good tag division they've got going on there. Yes, they do. Um, that being said, I was a little underwhelmed by this. Yeah. And that, that's probably because I'm jaded and I expected so much more from these guys. I'm serious. Like uh, I, I based on based on what? Based on Pentagon and Phoenix in Lucha Underground or based on SCU and, and PWG or I mean just what? And everywhere. Like everywhere else I've seen SCU and the Lucha Brothers either individually or as a tag team. Um, I, I admit that I don't know private party as well as I, I could or should, and they're certainly very exciting, and I think they have a big future in front of them, especially the way AEW is pushing them. But I feel yeah. I feel like it was a bit of a clunky start to this match, and it got there by the end, but I felt like it could have been better. And again, this is, a, I mean, I expected, it, it, I, I fully admit, when I say I expected better, that's like me saying I expected five stars and I got four and a half. Okay, just yeah. to be clear. Right. Like yeah. I was, I, listen, Melzer. My expectations were too <laughs> Calm high. Calm down. <laughs> hey, if I was Melzer, right. I would say it was six stars, except it wasn't in the Tokyo Dome. Okay. Oh, so the, again, okay. so this this was a really good match. My expectations were just so high based on who was in it. So I want to sure. make that clear that I wasn't disapp I wasn't. I didn't not like this match. I liked it a lot. I just I had such high hopes, and I I felt I was a little bit underwhelmed by it. Um, yeah. I also. Nick, I, 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 it's something that I've seen a lot of where people are putting um, what, things that people get mad at in WWE and then when they happen in AEW and people forgive it, right? There's been a lot okay. of people discussing like, well, you got mad at that happening in WWE. Why aren't you mad at it in AEW? Um, something happened here that I felt was egregiously WWE. And, okay. and not in a good way. Because WWE does some things I think are great. But one of the things they did recently that I thought was absolutely awful and just stupid was they had Asuka lose to Carmella because another Asuka jumped on the side of the ring and Asuka got so distracted by this second Asuka that she got beaten by Carmella and then the other Asuka unmasked and it's James Ellsworth. Okay? <laughs> stupid. Right. At the yeah. end of this match, after SCU picks up the win and retains their titles. Another Pentagon Jr. gets in the ring, and Pentagon is so confused, he stands there dumbfounded as he's looking at another Pentagon, a very, a very, um, how shall I put this, fallen-looking 
Pentagon Jr. And he stands there until he gets beat up by this other Pentagon. And unmasked, and it turns out, of course, it's Christopher Daniels back to get his vengeance uh, for being taken out by Pentagon and Phoenix prior to the tag team tournament. Um, I hated this. I hated this. Oh, okay. I Hot take. It. Let's go. Yeah. What do you think? Um, again, if you like, I hated when they had the Ellsworth uh, distraction on Asuka. I thought this was, I thought this was dumb too. Like it's it's cute. Okay, Chris Daniels shows up in a Pentagon outfit, but it makes Pentagon look like an absolute goon to be sitting there going, "Dios mío, another Pentagon! What is he doing here?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there, I, there's there's ways that you can have people come in dressed as other people that is wild and entertaining. This wasn't it. This didn't work if for you, me. If you want to know how to book Pentagon Junior. Go watch season one of Lucha <laughs> Underground. Well, and that was actually by God. almost by accident too. Because, but anyway, that's a whole other. That's yeah, a whole man. other story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for somewhere else. Um, I. That's one thing that I have no compunction about doing. If AEW does, AEW does something stupid, um, whether or not it's WWE related, I'm not going to sit there and go, "Well, it's AEW. Let's give them a chance." No, like it's it was dumb. Uh, and I'm looking forward to a Christopher Daniels Pentagon feud if that's what they're going. Cool. Pentagon and Phoenix can absolutely be singles wrestlers, and at some point they should. A lot of their tag teams can go either way. Sure. I just this particular moment didn't work for me. That's basically it. Was the it was the the doubling and the unmasking and all that stuff that got you, not the fact that Christopher Daniels came out. I mean, if he had come out just as Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels with a chair and just beat the shit out of Pentagon for giving him the 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 package pile driver on the ramp just as a get back. That would have been totally fine, and I think that's the way they should have done it. Frankly, this whole thing felt a little bit like or a stunt. even you I know, agree with a, you. a good one would have been if you know something something where he he literally trades places with with Pentagon, right? Phoenix goes for the tag, and some like if you're not sure, you don't, if you're not watching closely, you don't realize Pentagon's been taken out on the outside by another Pentagon. Phoenix goes for the tag, and Pentagon's there, and he kind of goes, "Wait, you don't look like Pentagon." And Phoenix gets confused, and the new Pentagon takes out Phoenix, something like that. I know, obviously, his beef is with Pentagon Junior. But something like that where, I don't know, it, it feels more like an intelligent, dastardly move as opposed to, <laughs> gotcha, and it's, it's, it's belabored for so long that the person who's getting fooled looks like an idiot. And it's exactly yeah. what happened with the Oscar match. And we said, we called it out then as saying that was really dumb, and I'm not going to say it was really dumb when WWE did it and not say it's really dumb when AEW does it. That's fair. Totally fair. There's so many better ways they could have pulled that off and executed a better version of the exact same outcome. Yeah. And yeah, it, it was I hate, fair, fair dues. Cool. Mo- hey. I popped. Don't get me I wrong. Popped. I popped hard. Oh, Chris you Daniels, know? he's back. And then I sat there and was like, that was dumb, though. You know? Okay. Yeah. I- I'm also not going to compare Christopher Daniels to uh, James Ellsworth, but I digress. No, I no, <laughs> nor should we ever. Right. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, Andy in the chat says it was mind games, and I, that's fine. Like that's that is that is definitely an argument that is used a lot when they do things like this. Where like, oh, he's trying to get in his head. Um, but as 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 you said, Nick, I think there was more exciting, better ways to do this to make Christopher Daniels look like a bit more of a mastermind and less like, you know, it's just it's it's just falling back on the mind games excuse. I think is lazy. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I guess is what I'm saying. Agreed. Well, next up, we had the women's AEW Women's Championship title defense uh, with Riho defending against the teacher, Emi Sakura. Um, I, I think we need to talk about this one a little bit because I feel like people 
didn't quite get this. And I'd love to hear your perspective on what the relationship between Riho and Emi Sakura means to you, especially as someone that follows Japanese wrestling as much as you do, um, and how you think that that disconnect happened uh, where people didn't appreciate like the this match for what it was. I think part of it is they couldn't get their hands on enough old footage of them, maybe. I don't know. There was definitely a, a, a dropped ball here in terms of building for this, and I'm not sure why. And the other issue I had with it was the changing nature of Emi Sakura's character, where on the one hand, she's trying to do a Freddie Mercury thing and get over the crowd by having kind of a rock star persona. And then on the other hand, she's, you know, evilly like beating up Riho and laughing at her pain and distress. And then at the end of the match, she goes back to saying, oh, no, I'm your teacher. You're my student. I'm so proud of you for finally surpassing the master. And I'm like, you guys are, you got to lock this down. You got to lock this down. You have to tell us exactly what their relationship is and then have this match built to that story. Sure. And they didn't do either of those things. It became a heel face dynamic in the match where Emmy was acting dastardly uh, and Riho was having to fight upwards. And then it totally flipped after the match. And Emmy Sakura's character went back and forth. Yeah. So. I think that, and it was a, it was a very well worked match. You can tell these two have worked together a lot, and they have in the last two minutes when the pace picked up. I think that's what the match should have been to really showcase Joshi style wrestling that would have made these two just go look insane. But we didn't yeah. get that for a good ten minutes until we got the last two or three minutes, and then uh, Riho just started crawling all over. Kudos to Emmy for being a solid base, but I mean, for Riho to just crawl all over the place. But she, yeah. she looks like Spider-Woman, just all over. Um, Which is necessary when yeah. she's that size. Like yeah. we were saying earlier about believability, like once you have Riho flipping all over the place and, and you know, tying Sakura up, and she, it's almost like she can't follow her, like that makes you go, okay, now I see how Riho is finally going to beat her. Um, and I don't, I don't mind it building to that, but I, I definitely felt, I agree with you that the curve of the match, if you will, like how it builds from the beginning to the end, could have been less of a sine wave and more of a, a straight angle. Yeah, and it was just the, the the student and teacher angle didn't. I don't think it got over. I don't think the message got across. I don't know that anybody was invested in that because, like you said, we didn't see footage. We didn't see any backstage interviews or conversations between the two of them and all of that kind of stuff. But it, one thing I did notice, um, and the you know Japanese culture thing, even though Riho won, she still bowed lower than Emmy at the end of it. Yes. Very honorable thing to do. I loved the ending of the match. I thought the 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 the, the race to the finish was fantastic. Uh, mm -hmm. I love that Rio retained here um, because I think she needed to. And yeah, uh, I, I love just the the kind of honorable ending of the whole thing was was all fantastic. The theater. Okay, so fantastic. imagine right, yes, and imagine this match if you had it build as student versus teacher, and it was very honorable to start. And Riho saying, "Okay, I'm the champ." And I know that if I'm going to earn my place as champ, I have to defeat you, yes. my teacher and leader and master, uh, in this position. We've all watched and, enough all right. anime and and samurai films at this point, right, to <laughs> to understand how some of this stuff works. <laughs> sure, or or whatever you know, yeah. pop culture phenomenon you want to you want to put it up against, but uh, you know whatever framework you want to have for it. At the end, it's someone who's got to it's like the final challenge is I have to defeat my master. Have to beat and, the master, the one that taught me. Yeah. Sure, and you can have Sakura acting. You know, she doesn't have to be going full Pai Mei on this. 
she can actually do it in a way where she's saying like you may have you not learned all your lessons um and not be gleefully trying to hurt Riho, but definitely saying like you should be better than this and Riho coming out on top at the end and sakura then being like all right good job i'm very proud of you and that reads as a logical through line to this story whereas what they told was very disjointed and very disconnected and that's unfortunate because they had it even with the short build they could have pulled it off and just because i don't know whether through lack of communication or just not executing it properly whatever it was that story was not the one that was told and it's unfortunate because it was just it was right there yep it was right there yep they had it and i think they i think it was an assumption that people were along for the ride and knew what was going on and i think that is why they just came saying you know student teacher student teacher student teacher well and that's well yeah but with the build like they were really pushing that but then for some reason sakura wasn't playing into that in the match sure you know what i mean so who didn't who didn't convey to her this is the build of the story we're telling. So when you're in this match, play it this way. You know what I mean? There, there's That's what producers and agents are for, is taking what the writers are doing, talking to the wrestlers and saying, how do we tell this story? And then that it all comes out in the end, right? And the wrestlers yeah. go out there and they, they, they paint their picture on the canvas. Sure. So somewhere here, there was that disconnect. And of course, we're never going to know probably where. Um, I don't know if they'd ever admit that that's how it happened. Um, but to me, my perception of it was that somewhere along the line, someone should have been told, Hey, tell this story. And they weren't told that and they should have. Yeah. Been. yeah. No, this is the one we want to tell. Um, yeah. let's see where Riho goes from here. It'll be interesting to see if the Britt Baker and Bea Priestley outcomes has any effect on this. Do we see, uh, a Nyla Rose return, you know, to face off with Riho next. I'm anxious to see where the Brandy and Awesome Kong thing goes as well. Um, there's a lot of stuff circling and marinating right now in the women's division, and I'm not really sure what's next, and I kind of like that. I got to admit, I kind of yeah. like that I don't know what's coming. So keep doing what you're doing, guys. Keep working on it. You know, it's you will find the spot. It's been a month. And some other elements they're bringing in, like Jamie Hader and Shauna. Like there's other things there they're go. bringing in. I, I'm very hopeful for their women's yep. division. I don't. I'm not doom and gloom. I'm just no. saying right now, it's not where it could or should be. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think that they definitely have some a, a lot of potential. All right. So we are to the main event. I'll do air quotes yes. to say main event. Uh, Cody Rhodes uh, challenging Jericho for the AEW World Championship uh, in what has been. Most of the build for at least the last couple of weeks, if not the entirety of the month since they've debuted, uh, yeah. leading us to the culmination of Cody versus Jericho here at Full Gear. Um, Talk about a big fight feel for this match. Oh, it did. Oh, it did. Right? And we had uh, we had several people in attendance. Thank you to uh, former BWO Pickham's champion, Justice Dutterer, for Justice. sharing footage and pictures yeah, with us brother. throughout the night. Thank you very much for that. Um Ian, I want to let you go first here because I have some things I want to say about uh, about the end because we've, okay. we're definitely going to be talking about the end. <laughs> I'll talk about the end. Um, but, yeah, why don't you break the match down for us and um, we'll talk about what happened at the end. Well, so first of all, I think part of the way that they got that big fight feel was to treat it like, uh, like, like a legit match. You know, you got the three judges ringside, and if it goes to 60 minutes, and they're the ones who are going to determine who won based on a point system. Of course, all, you know, all the work, but still great. Also, damn, they got some good judges, man. You had uh, Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, and the great Muda. Uh, I mean, that's some judges right there. Damn. That's great. I mean, and also, 
can I just say before I get into this match, the one moment where Jericho has a face off with Malenko gave oh. me the goosies yeah. on every square just- inch of my body. Because I went back, dude, the the very first memory I have of Chris Jericho, the very first memory, and I may have seen him before this, but this is the first the first time that I went, that guy was him doing the list of the thousand and, and five moves or whatever, right? Right? Dimalenko, thousand the man of a thousand moves. And Chris Jericho's like, I'm the man of a thousand and five moves. Here, let me bring out my printout of all the moves I know. Right from my dot matrix printer, okie data dot matrix printer, (laughs) and then he brings up a sheaf of paper, grabs the top one, and goes boom, and the rest of it just tumbles across through this huge long Santa Claus list, and it's that brilliant segment back in WCW where he starts reading off the top one as arm bar, reverse arm bar, arm drag, and it goes to commercial right, Um, and when it comes back, the crowd is screaming and yelling at him. And he's still going. He's like, move number 48, reverse uh, Willie Nelson McGuffin or whatever the heck it was. Like, <laughs> he had some, some hilarious move that was like an inside joke. He was still going. And, you know, you find out later that they went the brilliance of Chris Jericho, when they went to commercial, he stopped reading and started insulting all the local sports teams. And that's why the crowd was so hot. Love it. And as soon as they, they're like, hey, we're Chris, we're coming back from commercial. And he goes, yeah, and also the Oilers suck. Number 238, right? So the crowd's hot. Brilliant wrestling mind even then. That's, he was in a feud with Dean Malenko then, and that is the first time I remember seeing Chris Jericho and going, who is that guy? It's the original list of Jericho. <laughs> yeah, the original list of Jericho. Back when, like, Ralphus, he kept coming out with Ralphus. Remember Ralphus? Yep. So to see him and Malenko have a stare down after all these years, that was such a moment in this match for me. And it wasn't even part of this match, which was also a fantastic match. They started it off really slow. I thought that was their way of hinting they might go 60. And I thought that it was smart of them to have the uh, the judges there to try and hint that they might go 60 so that the whole crowd was ready for it to be a long match. You were ready to, to dig in and watch a nice long match. It was about 42, and, 45 minutes, if I remember. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah it, was, is, it was good and long. Which is long for a Western match, you know? And so I think that psychologically, them preparing the crowd for a long match with the judges and with the slow pace at the start and the 60-minute time limit, that was all smart. That was was well-built, good booking, smart setup. Um, And the drama started really early in the match where Cody went for a dive and Hardway busted himself open on the barricade. Just... Just opened himself up, huge cut, took like 18 stitches after the whole thing was done to close him up. Just like a, a like you whole his whole right side of his face kind of fell a little bit because like it was so deep. A little flap Oof. of skin up there. Oof. It was gnarly. It was gnarly looking. Um had a huge I mean Cody by the end of this match looked like hell. There was part of me he that, that like wondered hell. if they had uh, if they had gimmicked it, if it was a gig or something like that, where nope. you know, but when I saw that it was like round. I was like, that was jagged. That's a that's, deep and round. That's busted, op- busted yep. wide open. Busted literally. wide open. <laughs> yeah, we we had a true busted wide open. Hard way came down weird. Um, you know, he had a huge contusion on his ribs. He was selling for most of the match. There was a great moment where his his mom was ringside and Jericho got in her face and her husband's face and uh, I think it was her husband, uh, her new husband, and um, she screamed "f you" at Jericho. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was just, yeah, it was a great, it was a well-worked match. And, 
uh, at the end, it was a, uh, I thought a very strong finish where yeah. Cody was still hanging in there and fighting with all of his might and Jericho just kept putting him in the walls of Jericho. He just had an answer for everything Cody had. And finally Cody got put in not just the walls of Jericho, but the lion tamer, which is even gnarlier looking than the walls. And, um, and then MJF threw in the towel. MJF screaming at Cody, who's like passing out in this lion tamer. He's got nothing left. And MJF throws in the towel. Well, when I, and I saw retains. him over to the side um, with a towel, previously with yeah. a towel, I went, uh-oh. My, my mind started <laughs> racing going, oh, I get it now. Oh, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, if you haven't watched AEW Full Gear by now, shame on you. It's been 72 hours at least. Well, it's 50 bucks. It's not like That's it's true. That's true. So if you're listening to us to get the breakdown because you didn't watch F- Fine Fair Dues, um, MJF throws in the towel. And yeah. this is uh, the one other thing I wanted to address really quick is Aubrey's referee's discretion of letting Jericho uh, whip Cody with the belt. And I'm wondering where that line is between DQ and not. And is it okay to take a weightlifting belt off and that is just, you know, a good quarter to half inch thick of leather and just start whipping somebody with it, even if it's plastic? It's that's still gonna hurt. <laughs> well, that's Cody. Cody did that with his weight belt too. I mean, I understand, you know, the, but are we? We're setting dues. we're setting precedents here by allowing Aubrey to make the call to not DQ the match there, and I think we all need to remember that because it's going to come back. They're doing that intentionally so that they can do something like that. And I love later. Uh, yeah, and I love the fact that. Aubrey was like Jericho and she got into it a couple of times. Yeah. And now that's, that's becoming an ongoing thing is Jericho getting her face and her shoving him back, you know, where she's the one ref that'll stand up to him. Yep. So I love what they're doing with that little sort of sub story. Um, but the main story here is after the match, Cody is, <laughs> as you can imagine, dejected and uh, MJF is pleading and begging and crying. I'm so sorry, Cody. I had to do it. You were suffering. I had to do it. And Cody starts to forgive him, and right as he forgives him and stands up, MJF kicks Cody in the nuts and drops him to the ground, and MJF turns heel! Rochambeau, full on. <laughs> oh, no. And he walks out to a chorus of booze, the crowd chanting asshole. One fan throws a full-on drink on him. Security and, got uh, on that guy real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Unless it was a work. Not saying. Just saying. But, uh, yeah, MJF, is the heel turn too soon? Or is this the right time to turn him heel? Uh, I feel like they've been hinting at it for a couple of weeks, and I think it was time. Uh, either shit or get off the pot, as my, my grandpa used to say. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where they've been teasing. They tease it with the uh, the chair when he ran in with the chair, and the inner circle had, had him held, and he had to make a decision. And you could see the hesitation. And I think that was a tease to what we ultimately had happen uh, in this after this match at Full Gear. So uh, it, I'm more interested in where we go from here, not how we got here. It was kind of predictable. You kind of saw it coming. Um, but at the same time, I have no idea where it's going. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some kind of feud now with MJF and Cody. Um, does MJF just get beaten down by the rest of the elite? Um, I, I'll be anxious to see. What goes on from here? So, uh, yeah, I don't is know what MJ, you MJF a rogue agent? Is he inner circle? Like, what? Where is he going yeah. with this? He was saying after the match, "My turn now, my turn." So, uh, yeah, obviously, this was a, this was one thing I thought they were going to hold on to for longer. 
And I understand why they did it here because they have to have Cody pivot. Like this is a this is a major moment for Cody's character. He can never challenge for the title again. What does he do now? Is he an executive? Where does he fit in AEW structure? Um, so it makes sense for him now to have a new nemesis kind of rolling around there. Perhaps not a member of the inner inner circle, but another uh, player rolling around in the in the AEW stratosphere yeah. that he could possibly bump into and have some issues with. So I, I understand why they did it here. I would have liked to have seen it just be this really long, drawn out heel turn where you keep expecting him to turn, keep expecting him to turn. But I suppose. If you really look at it, they have held off on it on it for about a year. So, fair dues. I'm looking. I'm very not. That's that to me is come back next Wednesday and see what happens. Kind of storytelling. Oh like I, <laughs> I got to see what happens next. I'm. I'll be there Wednesday. What's um, up with MJF? Explain that. Now we can go full heel too. He's not going to be coming out and saving Cody's ass. We can have full heel MJF, and that's a reason to tune in on Wednesdays just in and of itself. I almost wish we didn't have. The next match, even though it's very hard for me to say because you know my uh, rabid affection for, for hardcore style wrestling, ECW, CZW stuff, um, because I absolutely loved it. But can you imagine going dark and and ending the pay-per-view with the shot of MJF close up and beer having a beer thrown at him and after what had just happened and that ended the show? Oh, my God! Just yeah, make sure you turn it no away. Oh, there was no way they were following this next match, but that would have been a solid closer. Uh, I think it's it sticks in the mind regardless, but there's no way they could have followed this next match no. because sure enough, the next and final match that we had, and it was in the right place. I know it came after the title match, Nick, and I know that's something that, that would have driven you nuts had they not explained it so well, right? Again, if you explain something in logical ways, you know, We'll we'll swallow a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's just don't do it just because. Give us a reason. Sure. Why was this match on last? Because it's unsanctioned. We have to turn the lights off, and it's not it's it's not an AEW sanctioned match. We're still going to allow it to happen, but it's not an AEW. It's not part of the AEW show. The AEW show ends at the title match, as AEW shows should. And if you want to stick around for this next match, you can or you can leave because this might not be a match for the faint of heart. Yeah. And it wasn't because if you had told me that in 2019, a major Western, uh, one of the two major Western companies in wrestling, pro wrestling, would put on a traditional death match, I would have laughed you out of the building. And this was about as traditional a death match as you're going to get. In in a major Western company, yeah. like well, obviously we've had ones, as you said, CZW, Lucha Underground had some of the goriest matches I've seen on TV in years. Um, it's immediately uh, you know, what I some... thought of when they brought out the bag of shattered glass. I immediately thought of the the three stages hell of hell of match, hell of war match. Sorry, not three yeah. stages of hell, hell of war match. Um, but yeah, I, I, I saw. <laughs> Not say, I mean, I, saw, I used to go to XPW matches here in L.A., and those things were just disgusting spectacles of, of gore and torture. The only thing but, missing from this match was bundles of light tubes. Um, that was shout out to that CBW. Was actually, <laughs> that was what I was going to say, Nick, is I think people that thought this match went too far or was there was too much or it was too gory, I actually I, I was sitting there watching it as a dude who has consumed a lot of death matches in his time yeah. and actually really enjoys them when they're done properly. Um Let's just say I introduced I, people to a medley of CZW matches uh, right. that were in the chat in in uh, for watching Full Gear live with us, and uh, yeah, this 
to, in perspective, in comparison, this this is this was a night a bedtime story. <laughs> Four out of ten. Yeah. Uh, on the on the on the horror scale of death matches. Yeah. Um. You know, nothing was on fire. There was no real glass. It was all you know. It was all basically broken uh, safety glass. Yeah. Which is why they weren't getting totally shredded. They were just getting like lightly nicked. Um. But for a major wrestling company, this is about as close as you get to a proper death match. You had a barbed wire mesh at one point that they did a suplex onto that looked truly gnarly. You had the, the barbed wire baseball bat, the barbed wire uh, broom being used to sweep Kenny's back, which was a oh. gnarly visual. As you said, the broken the pile of broken he glass. He the one- barbed wire bat across, uh, I almost said Dean Ambrose, across John Moxley's forehead and just he sure. started blessed, bleeding out stabbing him stabbing him the forehead with an ice pick at one point he had uh, moxley and a sharpshooter on the broken the pile of broken glass and moxley had to crawl across broken glass to get to the ropes which i thought was a that was a great like obviously you know he he it sounds worse than it actually was because it was safety glass yeah but he crawled through broken glass to get to the ropes that's a goddamn call yeah that's what an amazing... He'll do anything to get out of this hole! You know, just... Yes. Right. Meanwhile, you, you got also... Renee Young, John Moxley's <laughs> wife, live-tweeting <laughs> the Twitter. entire thing. <sighs> so I had another window open off to the side with just her tweets yep. going. Uh, she goes, yes and yes. No, I don't like this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just stuff like that. I, that was almost as entertaining as a match. It was yeah. her just cringing wherever she was. Like, oh, God, no! Oh, <laughs> uh, there was not quite as effective was the giant board covered in mouse traps, which was a little bit uh, goony. But who set whatever. all those, by the way? I mean, props for setting all those. You know, <laughs> someone got some snap fingers. You know, they did. Yeah. Um. But, but here's the thing: we knew the second Moxley left WWE, he was looking for an opportunity to one of his favorite wrestlers, and also a, a guy I really respect, uh, is that Sushi Onita. And if you don't know that name, Google him. I'll put some stuff up in the in the group about him. One of the greatest deathmatch wrestlers, wrestlers of all time. True Japanese legend. Arguably one of the coolest entrances ever. Um, and a guy who, if you don't know him, Moxley has absolutely based a ton of his persona and character on. Damn. Uh, big time. Like, might owe him some money kind of thing. Oh, wow. Okay. Um and uh, there was a, you know, I know that ever since he left WWE, he was like, he was sitting there just dying to do another damn death match. And he got, and you could tell from the glee with which he jumped into this match, how much he's just like, yes, I finally get to do it. And they're, they're giving him an opportunity to do it. Um, make no bones about it. This is not the last one of these that we will see. Good. In AEW. Good. With the cast of characters they have there, Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen. Joey Janela, we're going to have more of these. This was an introductory match, and it did not go anywhere near as hardcore as some of the stuff that we will see in the future. In addition, pl- trust me, once once Jimmy Havoc starts cutting, giving people paper cuts between their fingers and pouring lemon juice on it and stapling it, his own tongue, you'll see some shit. This freaked out a lot of people, and it's good because they're gently letting people into that other world that they have a lot of guys from. In addition, this was also a really smart match psychologically. Yeah. Like this was a well, this was a well worked match on top of being a spot fest and a horror show. So, and that's honestly the real thing with the death match is 
yes, it's a spot fest. It's not about technical wrestling. It's about big moments that make the audience cringe and go, ooh. Who can make the other one give up first, right? That's really sure. what it's about. Like, Breaking down what, your opponent psychologically. What, what weapon do I have to go get that's going to make you uh, give sure. up? Right. And then ultimately beating them into submission, Moxley pulling back the, the, the ring padding, and they give each other gnarly shots on the pine. Uh, you know, include, oh my God, uh, what freaking, uh, Omega did a, uh, uh, a splash, 450 splash onto the pine. And that one, of anything in this match, that made me cringe the most. I was okay. like, oh God, ow, ow, ow. Uh, well, I mean, the but, Yorkshire Rob called out the, uh, the weed eater in chat and I'm like, yes, yes. That's yes. uh, until you until the weed eater comes out. This is still very PG thirteen. So, <laughs> I, well, that's, and that's the other thing I want to point out is at no point in this match did they injure each other enough. Yeah. So that either of them was bleeding at the end of the match. All of the wounds they sustained were such minor lacerations that their own sweat cauterized and wiped away all the blood by the end of the match. That's not a really hardcore death match. No. Usually, you see, you, like I've seen these matches most of the time end with full on crimson masks. And just gore all over the place. This one was fairly tame. And that's what I want to point out is this was an introduction to this style for a lot of people that don't normally see it on this kind of scale or on this kind of uh, platform. And in addition, it also had an undercurrent of actual wrestling psychology. Uh, so in that sense, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a fantastic example of the style. And it was smart to have Kenny do this. If Kenny, Kenny on one hand, is a guy who wants to say, I'm the best wrestler in the world because I can wrestle any style and do it well. And he just proved he can do a deathmatch style, right? He's done comedy yep. exceedingly well. He's done an hour-long technical master class. Uh, he's done, you know, five-minute, you know, go full speed. He's wrestled a goddamn blow-up doll, all right? He's done it all. He can didn't do he, it didn't all. did he wrestle an eight-year-old girl, too, or 12-year-old girl wrestled, or something like that? Uh, that I, yes, it wasn't Riho. That was someone else. Was it Riho? I don't, it might I don't know. I, I don't I'm, I'm spacing. He, he wrestled an eight-year-old girl. Yeah. Um, and in addition, he uh, you know, now he's done this. Moxley, on the other hand, has been saying for years that he loves this kind of match. Now he gets a chance to show off just what he can do in it. So everyone wins here. So, yeah, all around. I, and I, there was a lot of flack this match caught afterwards people who thought it was too blood and guts for a major company people who thought it was just a spot fest and to that i say yes it is just a spot fest that is the style of wrestling match that is the same way that you have a a wrestling comedy match if you have orange cassidy and out there doing comedy and joey ryan dick flipping people that's a style it shouldn't be every match you the match right before this was a old school wrestling technical storytelling match you know what I mean? Like you had a tag team clinic earlier in the show. You had your buffet of all the different kinds of matches. This was just one of those styles. Yeah. They just happened to be a very high profile one. The last thing I'll throw in here is that uh, when this came on, I knew what was coming. They did a good job preparing me for what I was about to watch. And I was sitting there eating my popcorn with eyes wide open with a hip, oh, yeah. huge evil grin on my face going, yes, bring <laughs> it on. What turns my stomach worse is when, you know, Dustin hits the wrong vein when he blades at double or nothing and gets crimson masked, or when Cody takes a header through the ropes onto a, a diamond plate ramp and busts himself open. Uh, that stuff's like, oh, God, that I don't see it coming. Like, that's the that's the stuff that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. But, yeah, this was this was so my speed. If, if I could watch 
a four-hour pay-per-view of nothing but this. And I guess I could just go back and watch some old ECW or CZW. I could go watch Sandman bust himself open with some beer cans if I wanted to. But this, uh, I hope that this shows that there is an appetite for this style of exhibition out there. Um, Yeah. Like there has always been. There will always be all of those of us, myself included, that are into this kind of stuff. And, you know... I, I, I loved Jackass because I loved watching people hurt themselves and be stupid. <laughs> this is kind of exactly that. It's a little know? bit it's a little on the Jackass yeah. fringe, sure. Yeah. But uh, the other thing, and this is something that we say about, uh, we've said in the last couple of weeks, but overall as well, about main, main uh, roster WWE is, yes, we have, like, let's say, like, whatever it was a week ago on SmackDown, like Corbin and Roman in a three-on-three tag match on SmackDown, right? And we're, you know... <laughs> You and I, who watch every episode, and a lot of people that listen to the show, were also just sitting there going, "Oh my God, not this again!" Um, but at the same time, the live crowd was frothing for that match. And if I see a live crowd frothing for a match, I say, "Well, who am I sitting on my couch to judge how good this match is?" When obviously it's doing what is intended, which is entertaining the live crowd. So anyone who looks at this match and says, uh, "This shouldn't have been on the show." That live crowd was eating this up. So consider that as well. You're there to please the crowd, and this did just that. Yep, absolutely. Well, guys, that was AEW full gear. That's the last well, time I got. Let's, let's let's put a cap on this. Let's, oh, okay. Let's put a cap on this. Okay. We were, we, first of all, as we said, we got every pick right. We we both picked exactly the same thing, except the hangman except pop hangman, match, yeah. which I'm kicking myself on. I will forever. What do you think overall about the pay-per-view? Just one, one quick, like, quick question here. Actually, two. 1.5. Um, is AEW doing what it should be doing? Was this a good pay-per-view? Is this the kind of build they should have for their pay-per-view? And, uh, and this is calling back to Abraham Castillo in the, in the chat who said, you know, he's like, I, like, I'm not going to drop 50 bucks on this. Was this worth 50 bucks? Or is 50 bucks too much to charge for a pay-per-view like this in the post-network era? Um. I want to temper this with a couple of different things. I'm glad you brought this up before we transition because I did mean to bring this up and talk about this. I've I've said here on the show that when when Double or Nothing was was coming, I had to sit there for about 10 minutes and convince myself to spend the the 50 bucks to watch it. And I thought I want AEW to be successful, so I'm going to support these efforts. But this can't be long term. Like you can't have five to six pay-per-views a year at fifty bucks a piece anymore. And if you guys remember what I've been saying this whole year that we've been building AEW, they've got to get the streaming thing right. I've been saying it since last fall when we first started hearing grumblings about this. They've got to get the streaming thing down. Whether it's a ten dollar, fifteen dollar a month thing through Fight TV or Bleacher Report or something, they got to get that right. And there's so much infrastructure you have to have for that. I understand, but it's already built in and you can just do a royalty to whoever's hosting your content. They've already got great relationships with fight TV and bleacher report live. I'm enjoying the bleacher report platform. I hadn't, I didn't know they had a live platform until AEW came around, but I've been cruising around watching some soccer, watching uh, some old boxing matches and stuff like that. I'm having a blast. So can they get away with $50 per pay-per-view? No. Um, are they going to do something where they only charge for a couple of them a year and we get the other couple free like they did this year? I don't know. To be determined, Tony Khan, AEW, let us know what the plan is because that's going to drive a lot of attendance and viewership into 
you know, if, if you're going to charge me $50 for the next one, let me know that the next two are going to be free. Communication. Um, sure. One way or another. But I don't know that there is an appetite out there for $50 per pay-per-view anymore. And that's a really quick way to watch your pay-per-view buys decline rapidly uh, if that continues lo- over a long term. Yeah. And, and we're actually having some really great discussion about this in the chat. Also, one thing I do want to say is uh, Champ Champ did correct me. Oh. Um, the, girl, the girl that Omega faced, was her name was Haruka. She was nine. It was ah. not Riho. That is an urban legend. Thank you, Champ, for, for Always being on my the ball. Google. Thank you. <laughs> um, also, yeah, a lot of people are saying in our chat right now uh, that that's just a little, that's, that's a little much. Like in this day and age, 50 bucks for pay-per-view is a little high. Um, we even have, uh, yeah, uh, Champ again here with the, with saying a lot of under 18s in Japan gave up on pro wrestling because it's so expensive to have an, have an education and try to pay for these pay-per-views. Um, our other uh, ex champ justice says he paid less to actually go to the event live. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Um, so that's that. And that's, and that's the thing watching this show. I, I dropped 50 bucks on this. I did. I, it, and honestly, it stung. It stung a bit to drop 50 bucks on this. Yeah. Um, I, want, I, I don't want it to be derogatory towards the show because this is what I've come to expect over 30 years of pay-per-view buys and things like that. But yeah, WWE has set the bar, guys. Love mm-hmm. it or, or hate it, they've set the bar. And... You, you, whether they start introducing tiers between ten and twenty dollars for different things, you've got to have a monthly subscription streaming option that includes all your pay per views. Period. Yep. Hard stop. I don't care if it's twenty bucks a month or five bucks a month. One of the two. You, you got to have something for us. Yeah. I don't have the the info on the buys in front of me. Maybe that'll be in the news segment on Saturday how their pay per view numbers did. But I'm very curious to know because that is going back to an older model of doing shows and i don't know if that model is still applicable in the modern era of the wwe network yeah and i i will be honest with you if i wasn't doing the show that that 50 bucks i want to throw a thank you right now out to our patrons because that came from our patron subscriptions i would not have paid 50 bucks for this show i would have gotten my watching highlights on youtube simon miller ups and downs on AEW. you know what i mean shout out to simon miller uh, current H champion. Yes. Um, like I, I, I would have had a hard time dropping fifty bones on this show if I weren't being subsidized by the the patrons for this show to yeah. do this show, and that's where the money came from to to watch us. So thank you to our patrons. Thank you guys because you you allowed me to give you this content for the show to watch this 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 show. Yeah. Um, and so I very much empathize with a lot of people that are out there going, man, dropping fifty bucks on AEW. That's something that AEW's got to look at. I ultimately came down on the side. I, I, I was debating this. I was talking to my lady about it, and I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just, yeah. And I, I, I went for a walk, and I came back, and I'm like, you know, you know what? I want them to be successful. I'm sure. I have 50 bucks to give them. I want them to be right. successful. I want to see them do well, and that's ultimately where I landed. So regardless of— you of, have that 50 bucks. I do. I do. Yeah. So— you know what I mean? Like in my budget, saying fifty bucks for a pay per view is that's that's over that's over in my frivolous expenses column. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah, I if I you. if I weren't getting subsidized. So anyway, yeah. So interesting stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to more AEW this week. Uh, definitely an ongoing debate about how they're going to manage 
their pay-per-view system. But, Nick, there's a lot more to talk about on this show today because not only do we have AEW, we had to talk about Monday Night Raw. So here's the part in the show where we go down a little bit. Um, (laughs) Coming off of Friday night's SmackDown a few days ago, uh, if you guys listened to the Saturday show already, you heard what Nick had to say about that. I'm going to echo a lot of the sentiments here, although arguably worse. Um, I I have a lot to say about this. We're going to have a big discussion about the end of it at the end of this, but... Let's go through and break down the show because this was not a good Raw. And I I don't want to use the word bad. I don't want to be negative. But there was not a lot to like here. And we always try to find the positive. I found a lot to like. Uh, but anxious so to hear I'm, what it was, Surrey and Dangerous. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to contrasting and comparing. I yeah. don't think it was a great show by any stretch, but it certainly was better than SmackDown this week. Uh, Let's start off talking about one of the major angles, and that was the continuing quote-unquote NXT invasion. This week we had Seth Rollins come out to the ring and uh, say, yeah, Survivor Series is coming, I'm ready, blah, blah, blah. Typical Seth stuff. Um, I'm going to survive and prevail and burn it down. He's going to burn... Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I jumped ahead of you. Yeah, but anyway, he was saying, yeah, NXT started the fight, but me and my boys, who are yet to be determined, will finish the fight. So I don't, I don't know who my boys are, but we're definitely going to beat NXT at Survivor Series. Okay. Um, and he then said, I'm, hey, you know, I'm a fighting dude. I want to have a fight. So whoever is the best there is in the UK, come out and fight me. And he was answered by, and this gave me the tingles, even though I knew it was coming. He was answered by Imperium with Walter. Mm. And Walter said, hey, you don't know who I am. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm the current UK champ. My name is Walter. I believe the mat is sacred, and I'm going to kick your ass. And we had Seth Rollins versus Walter on an episode of Raw. Giveaway. If you told told me that a year and a half, a year ago, I I would have fainted. Yeah. Uh, And we finally got it. Um, And now, uh, unsurprisingly, maybe. There was no finish. Uh, as Walter looked like he was about to eat a stomp, Imperium jumped in and caused the DQ. Started beating up Seth, who was then saved by uh, Private Party. Excuse me, I mean um, Street Profits. And uh, they ran out. They started getting their, their butts kicked. And then do a huge pop to, outsave, to come out and save everybody, Kevin Owens. Everybody loves Kevin Owens. MIA for a while. Yeah. He came out to save everybody. And we were booked into a four-on-four match, Imperium versus... Street Profits, Seth Rollins, and Kevin Owens, which is also a pretty delicious match, if you ask me. Uh, at the end of that match, however, uh, Alexander Wolf ate, let's see, it was, uh, I'm going to try to remember exactly how this went. It was uh, Eichner, no, it wasn't Eichner, it was Barthel ate a beautiful stunner, by the way. He sold it beautifully. Him and Owens rolled out of the ring, and then Wolf ate a curb stomp for the one, two, three. Imperium loses to Seth's team. Um, let's go down this. Let's run down this. Cause you said right off the bat that it was, the, 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 uh, well, you basically said Seth Walter, they gave it away. Yeah. Do you feel that was a waste? Yes. Uh, really? well they DQ'd it. They, they, I feel like they could have spent some time building a little more anticipation for something as big as introducing Walter to the quote unquote main roster. Um, I, I just, I, 
Walter is one of those larger than life kind of characters in wrestling. He's been around the world, and the fact that they kind of just did it as a sort of throwaway here on Raw with no build and no implications for Survivor Series or nothing really. Like, I can imagine Walter walking out at like number 27 in the Royal Rumble and just everybody losing their shit. Um, I, I, I am blown away that they. They did this on Raw with no implication, stakes, or build towards Survivor Series at all. It was, a, I think, it was a complete waste. So here was what I here was my takeaway from it. One, they gave us just enough Seth and Walter to wet our appetite, and then stopped it before it could get too far. We could really see who was better. And now down the road, if there's a Seth Walter rematch and they want to make a big deal out of it, I personally am excited to see more from these two. Um, so I don't think in that sense it was a waste. And I think then having a big four on four tag match was in a lot of ways, you were protecting a lot of the bigger guys in the match. Sure. You know, Wolf and, and Barthel and Eichner are there to eat pins for Walter. That's, that's their point. And had it gone the other way, someone from the street profits would have eaten a pin. So that's, that's all fine with me. Um, in addition, you promoted NXT UK in the UK. You had, uh, you had Walter, Wrestling, your biggest guy. If that's not them having confidence in Walter, I don't know what is. So there was a lot to take away from this that I thought was very positive. More on that later. Uh, <laughs> we'll come okay. back to that one. <laughs> Mental uh, note. But I thought that I thought there was a lot that was positive here, and I, I thought a lot of you know you had the good guys looking good, you had the bad guys looking bad. Everyone got their shit in, um, and it was basically a, a transitionary match while we're on the road to things. Uh, so. I didn't mind it. Would I have liked something a little bit more exciting, a little bit more definitive? Sure, but that's not what Raw is for. And given that they were in the UK, it's one of the few times you're going to be able to use Walter on the main roster because sure. he doesn't travel. He doesn't, he doesn't like to come to the US for, unless it's for like a quick tour and then back home. Uh, he doesn't want to move here. Uh, that, I thought that was, uh, that was appropriate. The only thing, and this is, this is going to be my through line on Raw of, of, of beef, is that once again... You had NXT, uh, ever since they, they fired the quote-unquote first shot, they've kind of, they haven't really looked like they're that strong since. And once again, to have the NXT group lose to the Raw group underlines that the NXT aren't on the main roster's level. And they have to be careful about that because NXT is already coming in as the underdog. Even if they, quote, fired the first shot, you have to keep them hot until Survivor Series. Otherwise, they're going to go in as the underdogs, and when they lose, it's going to just confirm that they're the third brand. And you don't want that when they're the ones having the most competition from AEW. You don't want that perception. So the other thing I had to bitch about was, was Jerry the King Lawler. You had the fans. Seth's out there saying, uh, yeah, I'm going to support Raw and go Raw. I love NXT, but Raw is the brand I'm with now. And all the fans chant NXT at him and then boo him when he, when he says he's going to kick Walter's ass. Um, and then during the match, the fans start chanting for KO and King Lawler starts, keeps, keep going. Oh, these fans are so finicky every time. I'm like, they're not finicky. It's your guys's job to make them like who they like and not like who they like. This is like the, you know, the Bizarro Land comment from Michael Cole. Yeah. Like it's not Bizarro Land. And it's not like they can hear the commentary and what Jerry Lawler's saying. So it's complete goddamn sense why they like people and why they don't like people. It's because of your freaking booking. Yeah. And, how, and, and the perception of these people. It's, you're booking Seth Rollins like a goon. He's making an ass of himself on social media. Of course they're turning on him. 
Of course they love KO because he right now he's a, a baby face you haven't screwed up yet. Of course they love Walter because he's a badass. He's been built as a badass and kept like a badass and has had one of the best matches of the year over at NXT UK. Of course they're going to cheer him. NXT looks like the up-and-coming underdogs that are badasses that are taking over SmackDown and, and raging against the establishment. They look like the modern DX. Of course people are going are gonna to cheer for them. It's not Bizarro Land. It's not finicky. It's booking. It's logic. Come on. Yeah. It's that. It's and it, that's it's that kind of uh, ex, like trying to excuse their own shitty booking, uh, and that mentality of it's not us, it's the fans' problem. Like, look, there's problems with the fans. Don't get me wrong. There's a there's a small part of the wrestling community that's very toxic, and they overshine a lot of the the cool great people that are part of this community. But let's also call a spade a spade. It's your job to make us like the characters we're supposed to like and hate the characters we're supposed to hate. That's literally your job. If this were a, sh- a TV show, another TV show, and you were, you know, if this, let's, we always say Game of Thrones, but let's find another one. Um, uh, okay, let's use Game of Thrones. Screw it. All right. If we if we suddenly hate Jon Snow because of the things you have him do on the show, that's not our fault for hating Jon Snow. That's your fault. It's how you wrote it. It's how you wrote it. If Daenerys Targaryen becomes a psycho because you wrote her to be a psycho, we're going to turn on you and say you did a, that was dumb writing. Yeah. It's exactly what happened with the final season of Game of Thrones. People turn on the writers because they wrote a stupid show. You spent 10 years telling us Danny was the chosen one. We're not fickle. We're not fickle because <laughs> we suddenly turned on Danny. You screwed up. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm sorry. Suddenly, I well, let's let's say that uh, you know, in Star, like, okay, Star Wars. All of a sudden, Luke is a bitter, grumpy old man on an island, and I hate it. That's not my fault for suddenly turning on. I don't hate Luke because I hate Luke because he's a bad actor or a bad character. I hate it because you screwed up. <sighs> <laughs> you made him a bad character. Come on, King. Uh, but, Let, listen, was, I have a lot of controversy with what's going on at the commentary desk right now too. I, I don't like. I, you know who I the have first mad- character who was the who the first character who was a big character on The Simpsons was Bart Simpson, and you know why people are, why Bart Simpson is no longer the focus of The Simpsons because people turned on him because he wasn't interesting. Who do you think of when you think of The Simpsons now? Dumb! Homer. Yeah, because everyone realized he was more interesting, and they pivoted the whole show to be about Homer, not uh, Bart. South Park. That's smart writing. This entire season of South Park has been about Randy Marsh, and it has been Randy for Marsh. Seasons it was now. originally they about the pivoted. kids. Yep. They realize Randy's an interesting character. They pivoted it to be about Randy. That's smart writing. Yep. Not they keep pushing people that aren't getting over. They don't know how to get people over. Okay. Let's end this rant. As you said, Nick, we have a lot more to get to. I'm sorry. Please continue. Yeah. No, the commentary. <laughs> listen, I, I think Vic Joseph, Good Lord. Vic Joseph is fantastic as a, as a uh, center seat caller. I, I really enjoy his stuff. Uh, I enjoyed him in 205. I enjoyed him in NXT UK. So I think Dio is green as hell. I'm not enjoying him being up there, uh, and God, you gotta love Lawler for for the legacy of it. Much like a lot of people have mad nostalgia respect for Jr. over in AEW, which we didn't really talk about the commentary in AEW, but I have a lot to say about that. But maybe will another time. Um, yeah, it, it, some of the same things are happening, and there's a lot of speculation around whether it's our nostalgia is not letting us move forward with, with commentary. And, and again, I don't know whether it's our nostalgia or what they think we want to hear and we also don't know if it's lawler or if it's you know the old crabby man in the back screaming in his ear 
Fair enough. Call, Fair him, call him fickle. Call yeah. him fickle, damn it. <laughs> you know, like, that, what, that was, this was Daniel Bryan's heel line, is these, you, you guys are all fickle. That's a heel line. That's coming at the crowd and making them hate you. Now they're trying to pass it off as, you know, the logic, of, you know, trying to get everyone who's watching the show on the same page and telling the, the TV viewer what to think. Yeah. Oh, it's, that's, that's the maddening thing for me. All right. Let's move on, Nick. We still have a lot of Raw to get through. Uh, it has been announced who is on Team Raw. Wait, what? We know it will be, yeah, it's, how, yeah, yeah. How did we get here? How, was there no decisions or opportunities or anything about how to get on the Team Raw with Seth Rollins that we just, no, just, we just, just announced yeah. it? Yeah, Ar- arbitrary. Arbitrary, you're on the team. Why have a storyline? What you know? There's so many other things we can do, like having you know matches with no stakes whatsoever. Let's let's just arbitrarily say who's on the team. Uh, it will be Seth Rollins. Calm down. Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre. Deep breath. Ricochet, Randy Orton, and Kevin Owens. That's a. I gotta say, maybe arbitrary. But that's a damn good team. Fantastic. It has. Yeah. I have no understanding of why those guys were picked. For Raw, but I, I can't remember cool. a Survivor Series in recent memory that didn't have some kind of story or tournament or match or gauntlet or something that it had to run through to determine who was going to be the best of the best to, for Team Raw right. and Team SmackDown to put forward for the Survivor Series match. Yeah, instead they just picked the five best. God. <laughs> so yeah, all right. I, I like the sound of that. We'll get back to Ricochet and Randy in a second because they got some beef going on, and I can't wait to see how that uh, that works out with a Survivor Series match. But we also had we opened the whole show with the man Becky Lynch. Yeah, she had a, a she team. had a match with uh or no wait Becky. It's supposed to be Charlotte Becky Lynch and Charlotte teamed up against the Kabuki Warriors. Wait, it was Charlotte and Natalia. Well, no, Becky Lynch. Natalia had family obligations. You know, it makes total sense. Okay. <laughs> so last week, Natalia taps out Asuka. This week, because, you know, well, that shouldn't mean anything, right? This week, Charlotte and Becky Lynch have another rematch against the Kabuki Warriors for the titles this time. Because last time it wasn't for the titles. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Nick. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to dial in the hashtag WWE logic here. Okay. <clears throat> last week, Natalia beats the Kabuki Warriors by tapping out Asuka while she's teaming with Charlotte. Yes. And wins a title match for her and Charlotte this week. But instead of her, Becky Lynch steps in with Charlotte, who then they're, then they're mortal enemies against the Kabuki Warriors because Natalia, quote-unquote, can't be there. Okay, just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Uh, we, you know. we are. Like, God forbid you put the okay. match off for a couple of weeks. Or, or have any sense made. Um, and ultimately have the match end in a FU finish. Because out comes Shayna Baszler and Be- and Bailey to go have a little scuffle on the side of the ring, distract Becky, who then eats a pin from Asuka, who tapped out last week to Natalia. What? H- hang on. What? I my head is exploding right now, and I promise I did watch <laughs> Raw, and I'm over dramatizing here a little bit for the record, just so you guys know. I K-fabe. didn't didn't Brock Lesnar have to quit SmackDown to go to Raw? Why? How did Bailey get here? She just, she invaded. It's the time of year where everyone invades the other brands because it's also the time of year where the brands go head to head in direct competition. Nick. Yeah, but 
All the theatrics <laughs> of Brock Lesnar quitting SmackDown because I can, because it's in my, my no out in my contract, yada, yada, that whole thing to go get Rey Mysterio. I can't Rey go Mysterio. to Raw and, and beat up Rey Mysterio by just So invading. I quit. I have to actually go. <laughs> Here we are two weeks later. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. So anyway, uh, yeah, so... Baszler, the wild by the way, car- takes long out, live let, let the me, wild let, let card also, rule. <laughs> while we're on the subject of hashtag WWE logic, Baszler takes out Bailey again. Again, Bailey gets taken out by Shayna Baszler, but Bailey does get a little bit of revenge by taking out Becky after the match. So she she took out Becky. Did did that help Bailey at all? She's still a third wheel in this. Of course she is. Okay. <laughs> At what point does she get hers back on Baszler? Are we going to see her pin Baszler in this match as a way to get hers back here? You know what I would love? I'd love to see Bailey go down and just punk the hell out of Shayna Baszler. Non-title, but just beat the shit out of Shayna Baszler on NXT at full sail. We've been saying that. She needs to do that. In the next two weeks, like before Survivor Series. That would completely change my opinion and perspective. on Because nobody's beating Shayna. But if Bailey walked into her house and beat her, holy shit, you're going to get a pop out of that crowd, you're going to get some credibility for Bailey, and the, I'm going to be hyped AF for that match now at Survivor It Series. is the one thing that Bailey could do that would immediately, like, just, if you want a quick fix, Bailey goes to NXT and beats the utter shit out of Shayna. You know, whatever she has to, like, just kendo stick, surprise attack, whatever. Bailey murders Shayna, and you can have Shayna for the next like like have her give her give her a week to come back and be so mad at Bailey and Becky still and she, she's still got the feud with Bailey uh, ba- like the Becky her and Becky have they we've already got that dynamic right we know the history between Bailey and Becky we're not worried about that have them all on equal footing Bailey has to take out Shayna before this Survivor Series match so that they're all on equal footing otherwise Bailey is a second secondary tier. She's an afterthought, and if she pins anybody in this match, it's going to hurt them in terms of their perception, big time. But if she goes to NXT and hurts Shayna like that, it, it, it puts her on the relevant. even playing ground. You know, I love it. I really hope that either Hunter recognizes that or somebody recognizes that. I I can't believe. I mean, they've had Bailey and Sasha go down to NXT a couple of times at least. Um, so I don't see why it would be such a big deal to do it now. So, oh, yeah. this well, is so it's going to suck to fly back Just from Manchester. <laughs> uh, where is their show this week? I didn't. I don't have it in front uh, of me. I don't know where their show is this week. I don't know how hard it would be to get from wherever she is to Florida and back by Wednesday. But at any rate, yeah. So we also had the main event of the show was Umberto Carrillo, Ricochet, and Orton. Randy Orton, that's huh? a weird team, isn't it? Versus the OC. That came about because the OC was bullying Ricochet. Excuse me, Ricochet and Humberto back in the locker room. After Ricochet and Randy were exchanging some words, Ricochet turned from Randy to the OC to back up his buddy Umberto Carrillo. OC started making fun of them and saying, hey, man, we can't take you three on two because the management won't let us. But if you can find a tag team partner, we'll kick your butts in the ring. At which point, Randy Orton steps up and goes, I'm your Huckleberry. And we had, a, we had the match made. And it was interesting because Ricochet and Randy, even backstage, had some more words with for each other. Ricochet saying, I... Hey, man, I know you're going to be looking to, to stab me in the back throughout yeah. this entire match. And Randy being like, I might just be, yeah. but don't let me get in your head. 
Uh, great. I love that dynamic. Yeah. This is another another thing I liked on the show. Nick was the dynamic between Ricochet and Randy Orton. I thought this was a really fun match. Umberto got the show off. Ricochet and Orton had some great chemistry. The OC are the OC, and they're always fun. Uh, and the end of the match I thought was brilliantly booked, where you had Randy Orton look like he's about to take out Ricochet, but instead he gives the RKO to AJ, tags in Umberto Carrillo who gives a moonsault to AJ and finally pins AJ Styles. So not only do you have Humberto Carrillo finally getting his match back by beating AJ and possibly reigniting a, a, a U.S. title feud, you had the dynamics between Randy and Ricochet play into the finish. It protects AJ because he ate one of the most protected moves in WWE and then another guy's finisher. Uh, I thought this was brilliant. And then the, the, the jawing afterwards between Ricochet and Orton. Ricochet looked great because he was standing up to Orton, who he's obviously intimidated by, but at the same time is going to stand up to. Yeah. It's right in line with his character. And you had Orton treading the line between perhaps being facey by helping out Ricochet and Umberto in this match, but then also being a guy you just can't trust and you know he's going to get you. And he's, he's straight it's up about it. It's not if, it's when. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I, I, I thought all of this was really good stuff. Yeah. This this was I was engaged with all of this. This was a lot of fun. I don't understand the the Randy dynamic of him being in there. I don't know what his you never know what his motive is or what you know what he's going to be up to, but he's shown right. over the last few years at least since we've been doing this show that he can he can be used as a top guy that can put over younger talent or up and comers, right? We saw yeah. it all through what they did with gender, right? It was back and forth with Randy the whole time. Oh god. <laughs> I, hate to, I hate to call back to those, but that was yeah. Randy. I, I, was. I do that to call back that it was Randy. So now yeah. you've got him in a tag team with Ricochet and Humberto Carrillo, who they're both big <laughs> up-and-comers, right? Love the way you pronounce his name. Uh, yeah, and he it's is. proper, I, right? By the, way, by the way, hashtag they listen. I did. I, I, I'll keep saying this, man. Yeah. You, I, I told y'all Carrillo was a big deal. Yeah, and now here summer. he is in the main event of Raw. Yeah, when he was doing shit in uh, in uh, NXT mm. and 205 Live initially, you called the that first from time, a mile away. The first time he came out and tagged with Raul Mendoza. You can go back and listen to that episode. I called it out. Um, but so here we are. I like that they're transitioning Randy into not just being straight up evil. He's just kind of a tweener. People can still cheer him when he RKOs someone out of, out of, out of nowhere. Out of anywhere. Out of nowhere. Uh, but they also know he's not a good guy. No, he's not a good guy. No. So yeah, I, I, this, Randy gonna do said, Randy, <laughs> and that's Randy basically Randy. what he said at the end to Ricochet. That's exactly, uh, he says like, I do what I want when I want where I want. I want. Yeah. All that Randy gonna Randy. So yeah, Randy gonna Randy. Hashtag Randy gonna Randy. Randy. Gonna Randy. <laughs> so there was a couple of good things I liked on the show. You know, I, I lo- the, the Seth Rollins and Imperium stuff I thought was fine. I loved this stuff with with Randy and Ricochet and the OC. However, as you said, it was not a good Raw because of other things. And let's get to one of those things right now. It's all downhill from here, folks. <laughs> Woo! Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking at the notes. Yeah, it's all downhill from here. Yeah, it? <laughs> um, the worst segment of the week goes to, no surprise, the Lana and Rusev segment. Lana <sighs> telling Bobby Lashley that she's going to go... You know, mess with Rusev again, goes to the ring, gives a really, really long, painful speech about her sexual timeline with both uh, Ru- with both Rusev and Lashley and how because she took a bump recently, she had to go to the doctor and found out that she's actually nine weeks pregnant. 
with uh, Rusev's kid. It had to have been Rusev because she didn't sleep with Bobby Lashley until seven weeks ago. I don't even know if I really care to go through all this. I, you know, Nick, uh, a week or two ago, they had a segment where I said, you know what? I'm coming around on this whole angle. <laughs> They're actually playing it. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I forgot said, about on. that. Yeah. I said this was actually entertaining to me. Um <sighs> This week, they they actually the way that they did this uh, was actually reminded me of like an Attitude Era kind of trash. It was trash TV, but they had me engaged with the way that Rusev and Lana were talking to each other and some of the details in their relationship. This week killed that entirely again. This was god awful, and not just because the crowd was shitting all over it, uh, but this it was just painful. This was just painful. They didn't seem to have the kind of specificity that they had a week or two ago, whatever it was. I don't know. I don't care. I'm I'm done again. This yeah. is not, this is I'm back to hating this. Lashley comes you know, Lashley comes out, beats down Rusev. I don't I don't I don't even care. Lashley came out, beat down Rusev, Lana and Lashley left, and on the way out, Lana goes, Ha ha, I can't believe he believed that lie. So we're back to square one. The whole thing was pointless anyway. You just made me waste 20 minutes of my freaking day watching this crap. Yeah, I, I, I am actually further down the line of hating this than I was before they actually got me back on board with this. And I, I can only assume, Nick, that you are loathing this as much as I am. Uh, and the funny thing is, is that I'm known to like this kind of stuff. You are. I'm, this is I'm your known jam. to enjoy trash TV. Um, I'm known to enjoy the soap opera uh, that WWE is is known for. This is awful. This this is this is Lita and Edge having sex in the ring. Cringeworthy, awful. Um, that was funny. That was cringy, but funny. Like I can't believe this is actually happening. This I can't believe is actually happening because it's just so bad. Yeah. And I, it, it, the funny thing, I just said it in the chat. Everybody should go back and look at the Discord Raw channel uh, from the live chat last night. And you, oh, can no. see, you can see just how little appetite there is for this kind of thing and how bad yeah. it is and make it stop. And people the having YouTube visceral... YouTube video, 7 million. 7 million views on YouTube. Well, there's probably some paid promotion going on. But we won't get into the whole social media thing again because we, we've, we've, we know they're masters at it. Uh, does does you does do people click on controversial things with controversial titles, and you know, are they doing this just for that though? I mean, like that's the, I, I don't know what <sighs> it just it's killing me. It's uh, I, yeah. I it, it exploded my brain. Yeah, I, I just I don't I can't I have no words for this anymore. It, it's I've absolutely got, I, had, had listen had I, I always want to give a positive around right. Had they come out, Rusev came out and said. Uh, had he he came out dressed up, he was really excited that he's going to be a new father. Um, and had he done something to woo Lana away from Bobby Lashley to redeem this whole thing, maybe he beats Bobby Lashley when he comes out and Rusev is the hero. Maybe they could have somehow saved this. The problem is, they, is that they with, doubled like with down. many things, like with many things with WWE, it seems like they're heading towards that. It seems like there's going to be like a Lana redemption storyline here down the road, like, why is she still bothering Rusev after he said he wants something to do with her and gave her back the ring, right? But she's still yeah. bothering him. Why is why is she still obsessed with him? Yeah. Okay, like, maybe that's what they're going for. But, like, a lot of things with WWE, you know, either they do it too quickly and they can't keep it in their pants, or they don't, have, they don't time it out right, like the Lacey Evans, uh, 
you know, the, from her debut to actually her in-ring debut, and it goes on way for, too, for way too long, people are sick of it before they actually get to some sort of resolution. That feels like what's happening here. We're spinning our wheels. Yeah. Speaking of spinning our wheels, let's move on. Yeah, no Alistair shit. Black, <laughs> Alistair Black is still looking for someone to challenge, although he says he has someone now. He's just waiting for them to knock on his door because that's what logical people do. Uh, so Alistair Seven Black, months, eight still, months later, here we are. Yeah, Alistair Black still, still sitting in a room. His- it's rumored that he has some kind of knee injury, and that's why they're doing these little segments. Any validity to that that you're aware of? Not that I know of. It's, it's certainly possible. At least that would make a little bit more sense than just having a guy like that sit on the sidelines and do these stupid goddamn promos. At least they're keeping him yeah. in, our, in our sights. Uh, they also thought it was a good idea to have Viking experience destroy the hometown heroes, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, because what better way to make your crowd happy than to take a couple of deeply beloved hometown boys who were recently your NXT tag champions and have them wiped out by a dominant Raw tag team. What was I saying about NXT looking like goons now ever since they had their first invasion, which was, by the way, on a, quote, depleted roster? It's it, Vince is coming back at this and saying, okay, well, NXT had their one little moment. Let's now make them look like assholes from here out. Yeah. It's, that's it's a stupid idea. By the way, thanks for saving my ass, NXT, when uh, my entire two-thirds of my roster was stuck overseas. Uh, to, if for, yeah. in, in it, thanks for that. Uh, we're just going to bury the shit out of you. Congratulations. Yeah, Thank, so thanks for the help. You, uh, that, that just, this one, I know that they have the hometown heroes lose a lot, but the Viking Raiders are supposed to be faces. Like, I know, uh, it, that, this one was mind-boggling to me. Like, of all of the people to have them face. Yeah, at least it wasn't a squad. Why? Uh, you know, at least they got a little bit of offense in. It, but it still, it looked like a couple of, it, it looked like what the Janela Spears match should have been, right? Yeah. Little, little guys fighting upwards against monsters and ultimately just not being anywhere near on their level. Yeah. Uh, you also had Andrade Cien Almas and Cedric Alexander in a no-stakes-nothing match. Cedric beaten again. I don't know where his push went. It was rumored that he was getting a big push backstage. That seems to be, have evaporated. Andrade also spinning his wheels and doing, seems like nothing, and no part in Survivor Series. Bit of a waste there. Uh, the Singh brothers had a match with R-Truth for the 24-7 championship. We're having a match now for the 24-7 championship. Okay. Uh, they run away. Our truth chases them, and they get murdered in the back by Rowan. In a dark room, which, dark which room. I thought was a subtle piece of brilliance. Like, Rowan's just sitting backstage in a pitch-black dark room. Of course, yeah, apparently of he's course also he is, talking he's to something in a cage. Yeah. He's talking to something in a cage like it's his baby or like, like a little pet or something. <laughs> and then he had a squash match against an enhancement talent where he brought, like, a cage covered in a... a a towel to the ring so apparently we're going into a roman has a pet gimmick because that's just what the big man needs yeah it was previously um, daniel bryan but now we don't know what's in the cage so i preferred him having daniel bryan as a small pet that was way more entertaining <laughs> uh, Mimsy! Mimsy! <laughs> uh, Mimsy! come here slap the taste out of your mouth uh drew mcintyre don't forget about him he had to come out and get a huge pop from the crowd by the way uh, but he had a match with Sin Cara, and he claymored him so hard, Sin Cara left the WWE. Yeah. No, or, really. Or at the- least asked for his release, which means he'll <laughs> now be sitting for six months plus b- backstage in Canada. Oh, we'll get it. We'll get into that. Which the other is kind segment. of home for him, so he should be comfortable. Yeah. Unfortunately. So that was Raw. We did have a couple of things announced afterwards, including one thing that's both going to uh, make your nipples hard, Nick, and then make you so sad. Uh, it was announced that there will be a Survivor Series match, AJ Styles with the U.S. champion, Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental champion, 
and Roderick Strong, the North American champion, in a triple threat at Survivor Series. Whoa. What do you think about that, Nick? Does uh, that, that make your... My nipples are erect, sir. As, yeah, as I thought predicted. they would be. Yes. All right. Well, now <laughs> let me let me bring you back down and say this. Okay. Uh-oh. That's three heels in a match, and Roderick Strong has to be in the War Games match the night before. Odds that they take that strap off of Roderick and put it on a face. Like who? I hadn't thought that far, Nick. I just wrote this down about two hours ago, so yeah. I haven't had a chance to really marinate on the NXT roster where it is right now and who's in the War Game match and who isn't. Yeah. I'm trying to think of... Uh, well, it's going to depend on who the fourth man is on the face men's team. If it's going to be Dijak, uh, that leaves Velveteen Dream out if he's, if he's still... Uh, if he's healthy, and that also would make sense in storyline, and that would be re- I'd also still be real. Hey, Velveteen Dream getting inserted in this would be really cool too. Hell yes! Uh, if, he, so, if he's healthy, please don't put him out there if he's not healthy. But I mean, you know, I Keith Lee. He's already in the War Games match. All right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So anyway, keep your eye on that match. It could be good, or it could be also good. Kind of like the New Day. Like I'm happy New Day's in the tag match. It just sucks for Revival. But I'm not. anyway. Uh, if I didn't make that perfectly clear on Saturday. <laughs> uh, so one last thing, Nick, and then we'll we'll, we'll start transitioning out of our show <laughs> okay. here. Uh, you had mentioned before we went on air here that you're getting a little bit peeved at the main roster. I wanted you to get, I wanted to give you a soapbox to talk about this real quick before we move on. Uh, how are you feeling about the main roster these days? I think I watched the first hour of Raw last night, and I was vocal about this and transparent about this with the live chat as we were watching along. The first hour of Raw wrapped up with the Rusev and Lana segment. and Which will a, kill anyone's heart on for the sure, show, I'll tell you that. Sure. Um, but I, I've, I had that feeling that I hadn't had in a really long time. And I think what I've been doing inadvertently without even realizing that is is watching the the wrestling landscape uh the fandom uh of AEW and NXT and how it's you know you know dividing between the two and the it's not only the Wednesday night war over ratings but it's also dividing fandoms uh between that and I'm I'm seeing yeah. I'm hearing a lot more people talking about uh canceling the network or I don't even watch main roster anymore I just listen to you guys and that's kind of awesome so thank you for doing that's that That's cool. Yeah. yeah, seriously. But I I have to admit I had the feeling last night watching Raw that I don't like and it's like I Which is I start to think about all the other things I could be doing with this 3 hours. <laughs> and I could and be plucking my nose me, hairs. I got a lot of things I I do live streams, I do this podcast, I run orbital jigsaw and that's not even my day job, right? So the, the I could be fertilizing the lawn. Like uh, we want to start edit snipping up some of these videos and putting them up on YouTube. Like, like I could be editing videos, I could be editing podcast episodes, I could be doing some advertising, I could do all kinds of stuff. But no, I'm going to sit here and watch Lana get booed out of the building just to have an angle. So I, I guess I wanted to talk, what I really wanted to talk about was the the temperature of the main roster fandom right now, and and certainly they're you know they're still drawing door for for a lot of these shows. It's we're not talking about Ring of Honor territory from a draw perspective at this point, but uh. Uh, it's still filling up shows. And there's part of me that wants to equate both Friday and Monday and last night. To it being overseas, it was kind of last minute. It was pre-recorded. We didn't have the same setup. Maybe they didn't. I want to make. Excu- I find myself making excuses for How WWE. Yeah. yeah. And you don't get to have excuses 
because you're a multi-billion dollar company with an army of talent and writers and creative that's been doing this for 30 years. You, you, don't, you don't get to just have an excuse like that anymore. So I, I want to hear from the fans. Like, are you, are you checking out on the main roster? Are you, are you finding yourself drawn to other things? Do you feel like it's a checkbox that you have to watch in order to fulfill your wrestling quota for the week? You know, because if, if it is, don't, feel, don't, don't do things that you don't enjoy. Just come listen to us. Right, <laughs> sweet little little that. plug there. But yeah, we're always going to be here. That's that's kind of it's not the point, but it's a little side point. Like you can always don't put well, yourself but, through oh, it well, if well, you don't quick, enjoy it. I want to pick your brain. I want to pick your brain about okay. this, Nick. Like what? Do, where do you think this sudden? Uh, how should I put it? Fatigue is coming from. Is it, is it just uh, a number of weeks of them being lackluster, or is it? No. Is it that? Is it? Is it? Do you think? Because I've also been feeling that the shows have been a little lackluster recently. But it also might be because comparing and contrasting with how absolutely fantastic Wednesday nights have been. Like, do you feel like now that you're getting a significant amount of product that might be that that is more entertaining, that is that is better written, that maybe more what you're looking for? Do you feel that by comparison, the main roster is looking worse, and so it's harder for you to 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 palette that? Yes. I think that's what a lot of people are going through right now. And I, and I think the fact that AEW has arrived and now NXT has gone live on USA and you also now don't get NXT on the network until 10 p.m. Eastern the following night. It's not like it's available immediately like it used to be. That's another, it's another little thing. It's a little thing, but it's a little thing. It's a thing. Um, but what's going on in the ability, inability to watch both of them sequentially, unless you've got cable and you're DVRing both of them like I do, um, there's there's you're removing the ability of people to watch both. But those two shows are so good, there's only so many hours of wrestling you can watch in a week, unless you're us and we watch all of it. Right? <laughs> people have right. lives, people yes. have jobs, people have families, people have things to do, right? It's, it's fortunate that, well, we also do. I shouldn't say we don't have anything else to do, but we do, right? At the same time... Um, I can tell people are starting to prioritize the other shows, whether it's because AEW is the new shiny new toy or it's if it's because it's better. I'm not gonna, right. I'm not going to sit here and say and pick a side of AEW or NXT, but I can tell you both of those shows are running absolute circles around the dog shit that has been Raw and SmackDown in the last month. The yep. Saudi Arabia NXT evasion episode aside, uh, that's... I, I have I'm getting that I get this about once every other year and then I get over it <laughs> because in about a month we're going to be building for Royal Rumble and everything's going to be fine and then it's WrestleMania. Yeah. I get this way as as we get to the end of the year almost every year like clockwork and I just can't wait to get to Royal Rumble and kick off the road again for the next. Four and months. yet you love Survivor Series. I and do. Yet this <laughs> and the, well, hang on, I, that's an important point. And it, it goes yeah. back to why I made such a made such a big deal out of the fact that there was no build, no stakes, no gauntlet, no nothing run through to determine who the best of the best was for Team Raw to put forward for the Survivor Series match. You completely just undid everything that's awesome about Survivor Series. Why even have it? Oh, why even have it? Well, this year it's but this year it's all about head to head competition for brand supremacy, Nick. Is it though? Because you, you're, you, I'm, you didn't I'm tell me lines, that bro. Randy Orton and Ricochet and Humberto Carrillo 
are were so good that they were just automatic picks for the Survivor Series team. There was no... Yeah. You didn't tell me that the six-man tag that they participated in was for qualification to get on Seth Rollins' team Raw for it wasn't. Survivor it was just Series. There. It, it was, was just there. there. It was great. It was great. But but it was a fun was match, sure, but th- no, I didn't, no, there were no, no stakes. stakes there. Nope. <laughs> so uh, That's what I'm saying. I, yep. I would love to hear from the fans and the listeners and just general wrestling fans, where are you at on the main roster stuff? Yeah. Uh, are you so. have you stopped watching because whatever reason I'd love to hear what those reasons are but at the same sure. time uh, are you are you watching all of this just to try to keep up to check that box or are you genuinely enjoying it or are you genuinely not enjoying it and not watching so how many of you were driven away by Lana and Rusev that's what I want to know where did where did Lana Rusev and touch you and and how did that make you feel <laughs> show us on the uh, doll where they hurt you show us on the doll where they hurt you <laughs> Uh, one last thing before we move on, Nick, and, and this and shout out to Jay Shutt. I did I actually uh, watch this right before, and I did forget this, but he thank you for reminding me. Rowan Shirt Watch, Rowan Shirt Watch, and it was a good one this week. If you're a fan of of hardcore punk, and that's Nails, yes, Nails, my boys from right, right up the street, Oxnard, nice. So yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Not metal, the punk, but but still damn good band. They've been around for God ten years now. Uh, good stuff. No, you said Oxnard. Anyway. That makes me miss not Ventura County. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, buddy. Oh, Ian. Mm. Well, guys, that is raw. Unfortunately, we all had to sit through that together. I hope you enjoyed our breakdown. That's our- that? Oh, wait, Ian. We're not done yet. We ran a oh. little bit long today, but we've got just enough time for our other news. Lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. Well, speaking of raw viewership, it was, uh, it was down... But it's it's been on average down recently. It was at a two uh, 2.058, just around two million people, 0.64 in the demographic, which is not bad, uh, not great. Uh, which but the problem was that they had a 2.3 at the start of Raw and they dropped to a 1.7 at the end. That is a 600,000 person drop. Who did 600,000 people didn't want to stick around to watch the OC versus Carrillo uh, and uh, and and Ricochet and Randy which I thought was one of the better parts of the show. So that's brutal. That being said, it was up against what I consider the greatest football game of the year so far, and that was the Niners-Seahawks game, which was an absolute classic. Uh, not only did that, speaking of stakes, that game had high stakes. Big time. And it was both teams balled out on offense and defense. Absolutely fantastic, riveting riveting game that went to OT in dramatic fashion and couldn't even not have a dramatic o- overtime. The overtime was insane. Absolutely insane, insane game. So I, I can't be too mad at Raw dropping that many people. Yeah, Russell but, Wilson got uh, lucky again like he's done his whole career. So congratulations. Yeah, well, they also missed a major face mask on him. So, uh, yeah, exactly. You're reeling me in on that. I'm, <laughs> hey, man, I wanted the Niners to win here. I did too. But uh, – but, uh, yeah, man, but, laces out, Marino, is all I got to say to that, that missed field goal. Laces out, Marino. Niners should have had that. Uh, also, you may have seen the advertising on the network, but Steve Austin's coming back in an interview format, and he's going to be having the Broken Skull Sessions, which I hopefully will be an ongoing interview show on the network because, oh, hell yeah, especially his first guest, an out-of-character Undertaker. Mm. Uh, there has been maybe a handful of out of character undertaker interviews ever, but especially recently. Uh, and this is going to be definitely uh, easily his most high profile out of character interview. 
looks like they'll be talking about specifically like what went down when he lost the streak, uh, the WrestleMania with Roman Reigns, and afterwards potentially the match with Goldberg. So yeah, that looks riveting. It's going to be uh, debuting Sunday the twenty fourth on the network after Survivor Series. I personally cannot wait. As we mentioned, Sin Cara wants out of his contract. He announced that he wants to leave WWE just uh, just yesterday. And uh, in response, WWE did not let him out of his contract. They just sent him home from mm. the tour. So he's apparently got three years left on his contract. So unless he's got a really good lawyer, that boy's going to be on the shelf for a long time. Long time. I hope you enjoy uh, reheated catering, uh, Sinkar. Well, I mean, you've been hanging out there for a couple of years any- already, anyway, right? I was gonna say, what's gonna be what's gonna be different yeah. than normal? He's either injured or tell, he's in tell catering. Apollo Cruz we said hi. Oh man, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Seriously, uh, tell Harper too. Uh, Joey Ryan, the dick flip wrestler, and also fantastic guy. Uh, he dick flipped Ken Shamrock this last week. And as you can imagine, the purists are losing their damn minds. Of course, Ken Shamrock coming out and saying, would you all lighten up? Yeah. It's pro frickin' wrestling. We're just having fun here. Yeah. Um, it's also, at this point, I think, kind of a what did you, rite of passage. Like, you're, you're cool with the kids if Joey Ryan's flipped you with his dick. So, I, I, Ken Shamrock, add him to the list of people who have been taken out by the large slong of Joey it's Ryan. Remember that uh, Ken Shamrock is also a listener. So if you hear this, Ken, much love, brother. Dude, much love. You are you are the man, and yep. you also scare me to scare me yeah, straight to death. You're still terrifying. You're a scary, scary than, man. Than, than Steve Blackman. It's you. You man. are a bad bad man. Yeah. Um, you better watch your mouth. Steve Blackman will come and find you, dude. Both those dudes. Oh man. Um, Teddy Hart, very controversial character. Looked like he was getting his life back on track. Uh, MLW is reporting he got, quote-unquote, burned at a live event and needs to be sitting on the shelf for a while. Convenient given the fact that reports are getting out that his about his association with uh, convicted pedophile Chasen Rance and his wrestling school and also the fact that Teddy Hart's ex-girlfriend's gone missing. Some sketchy stuff out there. This File this under continuing to investigate because this is a bigger report I want to give, and this is something I found out right before the show. This all going on. Okay. So I haven't really had time to deep dive into this and find out what the hell exactly is going on here. <laughs> okay. All I know, all I know is there's a, this this looks like a really crazy story, uh, and I want to get more into it. But I also want to kind of tease this by saying there's some weird shit going on with Teddy Hart, and uh, more to follow. But he's uh, but MLW and Court Bauer actually has a history of kind of covering for dudes, uh, <laughs> and and being able to work with guys with with shady past, uh, trying to, and trying to get the most out of them. And, and rehabilitating them to, 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 to his credit. But this sounds like another example of that. So uh, I, will, I, will, I will look more at this and report back on the Saturday show. Uh, one thing we do know is that Excalibur and Jimmy Havoc got into an actual fist fight, shoot fist fight at a bar while hanging out with a lot of the other people from AEW, including the owner, Tony Khan. Apparently these guys got like like the kind of thing where it starts off friendly, and then you know they're you're drunk, and one of you shoves the other one, and it starts getting taken a little bit more seriously. The next thing you know, the two of you are ending up on the ground, kind of like donkey punching each other. Um, Tony Khan was asked about it at the media scrum after the AEW pay per view, and uh, and he said, "quote At best, it was a draw, 
And uh, there was much worse that you saw on the pay-per-view itself at full gear. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Tony Khan brushed it off and said, eh, not a big deal. It, it's, it's boys being boys. You know, they got drunk and got into a scuffle. It's not a big deal. Yeah. So, aw. <laughs> That's all I got to say. To me, this was just kind of cute. I, I just watched so. a guy scrape barbed wire across another guy's forehead. I'm not going to be too bent out of shape that a couple of guys had a disagreement and threw fists at a bar. You know? Yeah. Great. And also, I mean, having seen this kind of thing go down. I mean, does it lead lot, to something? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, does it? Yeah, right. Is there. So, can they work this? Are we going to get a program no. out of this with Excalibur? Oh, my God. I've seen I've seen best friends go from <laughs> hugging each other to lying on the ground, punching each other in the in the nose in 30 seconds at my before my bar before we drag them both out by the ears. And five minutes later, they're crying and hugging it out in the back. Like right. that's that's how I, I saw this yeah. as like not a big deal at all. <laughs> But it's funny as hell (laughs) to think about. Uh, Arn Anderson was interviewed, and he had some thoughts on why Cesaro didn't get a push. He said, quote, he probably stood up for himself, which is not taken lightly or very well. This is a guy that did a giant swing on Kali, for God's sake. If you didn't see it, pull it up and find it. He had the wherewithal to giant swing, big show, for God's sakes. Uh, In other words, saying can't understand why the guy wouldn't have gotten a push other than he may have pissed off management. And Lord knows you don't do that in WWE. It's actually the reason Arn Anderson went to AEW because he didn't take he don't he don't take shit for nobody. Wow. Uh, Francine may, may, may remember her from ECW. Oh yeah, she has been she has been in and out of the hospital lately. She had uh, a couple of surgeries. It was a, an abdominal reconstruction and a hernia she had to have fixed. And then recently her stitches came loose and she had to go back in to have her stitches put back in. They put a mesh across her stomach to try and hold it in place. And she just went back into the hospital uh, a day or two ago. She apparently, according to her Twitter account, has also been dealing with depression as a result of all of this. So if you got anything nice to say to Francine, now be the time to do it. Apparently, some people have been giving her grief on Twitter. Uh, she even said, those of you who have been sending me snarky comments, I hope no one in your family ever gets sick. Oh, so man. best thoughts to Francine. Come Get on, wrestling soon. Twitter. Yeah. Seriously? Send some. Send some love her way. She's not doing so hot right now, and, and poor girl's been through enough. Yeah. Uh, Shota Umino, shooter mm. from New Japan, had his debut in RevPro, and uh, d- I got to say, man, his, his outfit looks a little Tanahashi-ish. He's kind of got that little, like, Moxley swagger to him. His, his theme music is pretty badass. I took a look at it. Uh, I think big things are in store for that boy. So, looking forward to seeing how he comes back from RevPro. Think he's being groomed? Uh, oh, he's totally being groomed, man. Oh, they're, yeah. they're looking very, very closely at him. Uh, interview with Brock Lesnar, I found that was really interesting. Uh, for those of you who want to get in the mind of Brock Lesnar, why he works the schedule that he does, why he holds Vince over the coals the way that he does for his money. This was a really fascinating interview. I'll, I'll, I'll post a link to it. It's a video interview. But uh, I did get a quote from it. And he said, uh, talking about his initial run in WWE, he said that he doesn't remember most of it because he was so high on Vicodin, probably from his botched uh, shooting star press at WrestleMania, and also drinking too much vodka. And he said, it got to the point that I remember one day looking across the locker room at Ric Flair, who was then in his mid-50s, and saying to myself, quote, that's not going to be me. I don't mean that as, as any disrespect towards Ric. He gave his life to the wrestling business. He was truly one of the greats, and he deserves a lot of credit for what he did. But with all the greatness that his name is supposed to represent and all the years he had spent on top, 
what the hell was he still doing there? He got in, but he never got out. I wasn't going to be the guy missing his kids' birthday parties and graduations. I wondered how many of his own kids' birthday parties did Flair miss? How many of their graduations? I didn't want to be pushing 60 years old and still wearing tights. Flair was known as the best, and if the business could break him, it could happen to anyone, even me. That's why every time I looked at Flair, every time I saw him climb into the ring and let out his trademark, woo, I heard Kurt Hennig's voice in my head, get in to get out. Interesting. So he actually talks about how Kurt Hennig was really like a mentor to him and gave him that perspective on it. And then ultimately, ironically, never got out and, and died before that was possible. So really yeah. interesting interview. I'll put that up uh, in the discussion group. Also, a post I made right before this was uh, this is the last thing. Post I made right before doing this show about Werner Herzog. That's right. Uh, very famous director, Werner Herzog. If you don't know who he is, he's made tons of all-time classic movies. Guy is also batshit insane, and I love him for it. This is a guy who one time, because he lost a bet, literally ate his own shoe and made a movie, a documentary about it that's currently on the Criterion Collection. He also, in, in trying to recreate a guy's insane attempt to... to to pull a ship over a mountain in South America, made his crew pull a ship over the, the mountain in South America and filmed it. And in addition, during an interview one time, was shot <laughs> and politely asked the interviewer if they could have the interview another time as he believed he'd just been shot and had actually been shot. Guy's nuts. Also turns out he's interested in wrestling. He's been talking about WrestleMania for 20 years now, albeit usually in the context of uh, having to look at it to understand society. But it's a really interesting uh, article. You should read it. Huh. I put it up on the site. The fact that Werner Herzog watches WrestleMania and enjoys it and thinks it's interesting. I just can't wait for the Werner Herzog wrestling movie. Hell yes. Give me that, give me that tomorrow. Yeah. I want that. Werner Herzog, where is your wrestling documentary? Where is your wrestling movie? I need that in my life. Put it in Please. my eye holes. Put it in my eye holes now <laughs> and that's the news Nick. well thank you very much sir ian dangerous and thank you guys for hanging in there with us today especially those of you in the chat shout out to you guys for uh for sticking with us live and interacting with us as we record the show if you guys want to do that head over to youtube.com slash busted wide open and subscribe to our channel uh, make sure you also ring that little jingly bell so you get the alerts and notifications whenever we're going live every tuesday at 8 p.m eastern and every saturday at 3 p.m eastern you can also join us over on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Just search for Busted Wide Open on Facebook, like our page, and then send us a join request. We'll get you in for some fun memes, news articles, good conversations, fun, positive group that we have at, that we've ended up curating that kind of lives and breathes on its own. So thank you guys that are in there. Thank you to all the phenomenal ones that uh, that keep that group positive. We love you guys for it. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. And finally, a big shout-out to our patrons. Uh, love you guys. Thank you so much for your support every single month. If you guys want to get in and find some exclusive benefits, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers to get a, the ability to get access to uh, show notes for every single episode and the ability to ask listener questions for our weekly patron mailbag show where Sir Ian Dangerous and myself break down all of those questions now in its own dedicated series broken out from the main show in this new era of BWO. It's got its own series called the Patron Mailbag on YouTube. Yet another reason why you want to subscribe because we also do that show live on Saturdays as well right here 
YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn man. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.